What is up, everybody? This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 31, a little extended version. Um, glad to be back onto like a weekly schedule. I know it's been a little tough um, for me the last like two months, uh, just a lot going on, moving and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but I think I'm getting back to that groove of um, getting to my usual uh, rhythm here, putting out an episode a week and. Uh, bagged a bunch of interviews uh so i have a little space and uh i think i needed that um so i have a couple of fun ones coming up but um how are you guys doing uh i know it's pretty much surf conditions have been pretty much the same um we're having this kind of miserable year and a half i think in southern california um not how it was two years ago um it's kind of creepy um so we're taking whatever we can get i've been doing you know spots up and down um, my usual kind of you know places you know the Malibu Topanga Porto um, Sano like that kind of thing those are my usual stomping grounds I haven't been to Venice in a while because it just looked like pretty shitty uh, to be honest but uh, might might go there tomorrow uh, I'm gonna see how it is um, but I hope you guys have been scoring uh, wherever you are, whether you be in Southern California, whether you be in the Outer Banks, whether you be in Hawaii, whether you be somewhere overseas, um, because I noticed uh, a lot of people are listening to us overseas, which is pretty awesome. And I'm excited about that. I honestly wonder how um, the, the humor and the kind of cultural stabs that we make uh, translate overseas. But I hope you guys get what we're doing. And I hope you realize this is just a lot of fun. But let's do our usual housekeeping. Again, this is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 30. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com or the full description on your iTunes player for track listings, links to things we're talking about, links pertaining to the people that we're interviewing. Um, and on this episode, I'm really excited because we got to sit down with filmmaker, filmmaker Jason Baffa. Uh, Jason... If you've ever seen Single Fin Yellow, La Bella Vida, uh, he was the co-director of uh, One California Day. These are three of my favorite kind of narrative-driven surf movies that have come out in the last you know 15 years. Beautiful filmmaking, beautiful storytelling. Uh, we got to sit down in Venice, hang out, talk about his passion for film, surfing, wine, food. Uh, a lot of that stuff goes hand in hand, believe it or not. A lot of people uh, neglect to think they do, but it was a great time and uh, it was great hanging out with him and getting to know him. Uh, he's an amazing dude. Um, can't wait for all the stuff that he has in the works. Um, but, you know, hope you guys enjoy that interview. We also have our usual short takes. Uh, this week, our short takes have to do with uh, awesome video that uh, Dan's surf videos put up of Honolulu Bloomfield and uh, Rosie Jeffers um, surfing North Shore. Uh, we've had Rosie on here. Hopefully we'll have Honolulu on here. Um, I know a little backstory about the clip because Maddie C was out there meeting up with the girls and uh, the clip is awesome. It's them surfing, I think, Sunset and uh, maybe Lonnie's. Um, so I have links to that. Uh, the other short take we have is this thing that Surfer Mag is launching called the Severson Files. We're huge John Severson fans here. Uh, very instrumental in shaping the culture and visually and uh, aesthetically. So definitely check that out. Uh, there's also, also uh, a story that the Inertia did on our boy Jonesy, who uh, does custom wetsuits. 
Um, he just made a jacket for me that I can't wait for it to be warm enough to wear. Uh, this uh, KRS-One Boogie Down Productions inspired jacket. Um, it's a little loud, but if you're gonna wear a jacket, just wear a fucking crazy jacket, who cares? Um, anyway, have a link to that. And lastly is, um, and making full circle here, is going back to uh, Jason Baffa. There's a video that Zio Baffa, his, he put, his wine company put out uh, uh, with this chef Oliver from Santa Barbara. And it's kind of an interesting take of the parallel between cooking in California and surfing in California. So definitely check those out and we'll talk about them in depth uh, towards the end of the episode. But as usual, we're going to get to the tracks. And what I'm trying to do on these episodes moving forward is I don't want to get stuck into my usual kind of like grind of the same tracks that everyone knows, you know, from the, the artists that everyone loves. I'm trying to find stuff that I remember just being these kind of like offshoot tracks um, that a lot of people don't remember. So this episode is another example of that. And I also, I think moving forward, based on what I did on the last episode, I'm going to be ending our episodes on music that's hip hop related, but not necessarily hip hop. So last week it was a lot of dub and dance hall. Um, this week I'm going for some old school funk. So make sure to stick around for that. But anyway, I'm not gonna keep you on long longer. Thanks for joining us. Uh, listen to the tracks and I'll see you in a little bit. Peace. Subliminals with me, you know who the fuck you are. Who wants more? Ha ha, well, here are. Orthodox fitter or ring on a top bar. No doubt, I'ma set it. Dudes, best be ready. Off top on a spot, no reading from your whack. Very leave the iPhones home. Skill sets must be shown. I'ma show you the real meaning of the danger zone. Huh. I got it on Ace Pick to all clones. Untouchable in my zone. Watch your tone, leave them alone. Fuck your ass, cheek flows with bars sweeter than scones. 
Put down my Yes, yes, he's the wrong one to fuck with no matter what the day. He could catch you on his plane or the one he on the day. Visit niggas in a dream, make a scream of bloody murder. He's the trainee gladiator, ain't no need to take it further. If you wanna take it further, your huckleberry is here. Doctor of your holiday, Wyatt Earp, your good life of tears. We gon' celebrate him, elevate him. Father had to levitate him, give him his and don't debate him. Top dog is the way to rate him. Throw your whole 
and making mistakes like an amateur But I'm a 20-year veteran and better than including the rest of them I chew them more and spit out the best of them One by one I'm teaching my son to ease back Whoa! 
be. I'm a super heroine like ISIS. And when I'm in a battle, I cause the great crisis. Realm of the queen, you know the routine. The flies of the moles on the scene, you know what I mean. I got a role, no other girl can portray. And if you want to describe me, this is what you say. Sexy, devastating, awesome, and precious. Some girls are fresh, but Shantae's the freshest. So what you know, y'all bust the show, pay attention. Listen, watch the girl go. And I have to release another bomb as quick as I grab the MIC Then I'll be straight Cause I'ma use the microphone as bait for other female MCs So what you gonna do to this? You may be older than me, but you're new to this Cause I've been out there, queen of MCs When your man was walking around and mock necks and leaves While you were over here perpetrating the fraud I was overseas on the charts with Boy George You're the beginner, Shantae's the winner Have another competition for dinner Sit you on the table with a plate and cup Say grace and then eat your ass up. So step back, cuz I can hold my own and everyone y'all be easy, cuz this girl is gone. I'm the smoothest. I'm 
not handsome, but I am the cutest you ever had. That's why you're so glad that I'm so good. I'm back. Superstar and automatic weapons called spray my car. 
this out of it, but I'm still in it. On top of that, I'm in it to win it. I can't believe that Rob would diss me. That faggot, that punk, he saw for sissy. I'm driving around now with three of my guys. The war is on and I'm on the rise. We roll right up to his favorite hangout. Said hello and then the bullets rang out. Some fired back, so we took cover. And all I could think about was my brother. Rob jumped up and began to run. Busting shots, hoping to hit someone. So I just stopped and let off three shots. Two hit him and one hit a cop. I threw the gun down and began to shout. Come on, I got him. It's time to break out. But as we ran, there were the boys in blue. Pointing their guns at my four-man crew. They shot down one, they shot down two. Now tell me what the fuck am I supposed to do? Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 31. Hope you guys dug those tracks. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm trying to mix it up a little with uh, some tracks that no one really expects. Uh, started off with a Tribe Called Quest track from their latest album, Rest in Peace Fife, uh, that I think is appropriate for today's political climate and what's going on. I don't want to necessarily get too political, but you know, it is what it is, and I am who I am, and uh, I'll let the music speak for itself. Uh, but let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, as well as a full uh, iTunes description of this episode that has track listings, links to things we're talking about, and links pertaining to people we're talking with. Uh, this episode, who are we talking with? Jason Baffa. So Jason is a filmmaker, um, grew up in California, uh, went to school uh, here in the South Bay, developed some friendships, uh, surfed the Porto lineups a lot, and then went on to make uh, Single Fin Yellow. Uh, later on, he co-directed uh, uh, One California Day, which is one of my favorite uh, films to just have on from end to end. And uh, lastly, uh, most recently, did La Bella Vita, which is an interesting surf film that he talks about. But without further ado, let's get into the interview, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I'm born and raised in the Los Angeles area, uh-huh. so my parents are still in a house in uh, Pasadena, okay. in the world. And um, 
that was really home, but then summers were always spent usually down in Newport Beach or San Clemente. Did you have family there? Um, no, it was just like that migration to get out of the heat. You uh-huh. Know? And then I never wanted to leave, so I think it was probably the crux of my crisis growing up that uh-huh. like I had to go back and go to football practice or yeah. baseball or whatever, and I just wanted to be at the beach body surfing and learning to surf and all that. Um, so there was a big draw, and it, and it made a big, you know, I was just telling when it when I chose a, a college, uh-huh. I was looking at only, you know, <laughs> it was like Santa Cruz, Santa Barbara, Loyola Marymount, San Diego, uh-huh. and then USC, but then the next level was I wanted to go to film school. So it had to be someplace that had a good film program. And, and of those, you know, I was a little disappointed in a few of them, and, and SC uh, is obviously a yeah. fantastic uh, school. But LMU was up and coming at the time and has now really established himself. I think it's top ten, one of the top ten. Yeah, my, my video guy that works for me, that's where he went to school. It's a great program. Yeah. Um, and right by the beach. Now yeah. you're stuck with El Porto, which anyone who surfs LA knows El yeah. Porto and the good and the bad of it. But in a way, what I loved about that was I think if, if you can learn to surf El Porto, you can kind of travel almost anywhere. I agree with that. Because you, you get, you know, your lumps and thumps and all that, and, and you kind of get into paddling shape. So... I got a BFA in film from LMU and, uh-huh. and stayed in the South Bay for a long time. So that was sort of my upbringing. But I think, you know, where we're from is a real small town. My wife, who's a little younger than I am, is from the same town. Uh-huh. We met later, but we connect a lot on the fact that I think for both of us, we just wanted to get out, you just know. And I think that probably affected some of my life choices in the films, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, she went to NYU, okay. went to Tisch School. Of the arts, so that was kind of her getting out, and I think for me it was, uh, I did LMU and and got good enough at surfing where I was like, I'm going to go surf, I'm going to, you know, start doing the pilgrimage, and and that um, actually was a bit of a a time away from film. Uh Yeah, how did you get into surfing, like, as a kid? I have a cousin uh, up in, my cousins have been influential in my life, and my brother-in-law, who's like a big brother, uh, is Rich Coffin. So his kids oh, okay. are Connor and Parker Coffin are okay, the pro ahead. surfers. They're my nephews. And Rich and my sister started dating when I was about seven. Oh, wow. So he was surfing when he was at UCLA. And he was one of the first people like, come on, you got to go. And then my cousin also, who was an East Coast guy, uh-huh. would come back. And he's like, dude, I've been surfing Florida and Virginia Beach. And let's go. We're going to surf. And I, you know, the whole thing to me was, at that time, a little foreign. I was pretty little. And. I like body surfing and keeping it simple. Yeah. And so slowly they, they got me hooked. Uh-huh. Um, and it's interesting because my other cousin on my dad's side was the one that got me into filmmaking. He was is now a working cinematographer, Christopher Baffa, um, and he went to USC and is very established, uh, good, good filmmaker. So it's it's kind of weird to look back at you know how it's, these little things yeah, yeah. kind of penetrating your brain when you're young and impressionable. But that osmosis, right? It's that famili- it's also the I guess it's done osmosis by familiarity, like in a sense like it's very comfortable osmosis, right? It just naturally happening. Supernatural didn't I mean the film for sure. I mean the ocean I've always been drawn to, that's probably even more of an innate thing in uh-huh. me and then the film, you know, I was interested very young in drawing and stories and, uh-huh. and when I saw my cousin I think I was about seven he was making a little super eight movie like stop action for uh-huh. a class he would have been say 15 uh-huh. and I saw that and he had a set in his like garage with lights and I'm just I was like I'm hooked this is what I want to do that's my life so that was like the kind of the aha moment seven years old yeah, yeah. I remember they were in Palos Verdes I remember driving back if anybody knows that trip they kind of like drive 
back all the way through LA to get to Pasadena from Palos Verdes and so I had a lot of time to just ruminate over what I had witnessed and Star Wars had kind of just come out so it was all oh, just that's like all you know really. and I think I went home and wrote like my own little Star Wars that <laughs> that's I wanted to awesome. go shoot on a super great camera so you know it, it was a lot of kind of fun things that came together and I was just lucky that I had supportive and still have supportive parents and uh -huh. you know a grandmother got me the super eight camera the next Christmas or whatever right and, you know just stuff that not not a lot of kids have grown up at, at that time filmmaking was a pretty expensive little hobby yeah it's know? not like getting a like you can no. do it now on an iPhone yeah. like now you get a phone yeah and you can go literally make better movies than probably what we could have done yeah yeah um so it's a crazy time that way and um you know, I think there's a lot of good and the bad on, on both. Right. I mean, I think you like with that with with that kind of equipment. Uh, it's like you're learning more. It's it's almost the same thing as like. I heard a photographer friend of mine talk about how like he learned how to shoot film and how to develop his own film and understand the whole process of that. And now if someone could go buy some like high end Canon and just with a couple of flips of a switch, like get this yeah. kind of perfect photo. But they don't. They've gotten that perfect photo almost by chance versus like knowing going into it like, hey, these are my settings. What I need to do. It, it's really true, you yeah. know. And um, I think, I think the old guard. There's a lot of respect for the people who do take the time to learn, you know, because the, these are crafts. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for me, I've always been interested in any kind of craft, you know. And surfboard building is a craft. It's yeah. a fascinating craft. And they're going through a similar issue where you know young kids can do one thing and put it on a machine and have someone glass it and you yeah. know people feel like wow they haven't taken all the steps really uh -huh. to get to where they should be and and i think there's something to be said about photography but at the same time it's an exciting time where you can experiment and there's there's a little less at stake at least financially um you lose a little of the magic you know i i have one um water housing for a still camera and the settings don't really work, so I gotta like set my settings, even though I'm shooting digital. Uh -huh. And I don't look at anything until it comes out of the yeah, box, yeah, yeah. you know. And there is still a magic to that, yeah, yeah. you know. And I and I feel like the the people, you know, I'll say kids, whoever, the guys and girls playing around with photography who haven't experienced, that are waiting to see what you got yeah. and if what you tried worked. You know, that's too bad because there is sort of something to that experience that I think helps. Um, kind of nurture and cultivate your own creativity and your process and and then when you go back you know you're you're thinking in a different way when if you're only just looking at a screen and tweaking yeah. as you go it sort of plays to this ADD society we all live in now and, mm -hmm. and I do it I'm not saying yeah, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. you know um, but it's less cerebral right it's less of like looking like doing something stepping back taking a deep breath hey did what I did work did it not work why did it work why did it work and then going back at it versus being like Okay, let me just see if I flip this switch, it does yeah, this. Try this. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I don't even remember. I mean, you don't even remember what you did. Sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, and, and it's a sign of the times. You know, we're in a very immediate world. Everything is very immediate. You know, communication, yeah. texting, all this stuff happens in real time. You you get a, you know, a 30-page document. People expect you to have read it by the time they yeah. <laughs> email you again, right? And, you know, in the old days, like, that thing went in, you know, a FedEx and whatever. And so it's just we've sped up, and um, I think that's why all of us are, you know, pulling our hair out or seeing therapists because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, quick. the world goes fast. It's well, it's got to be a trip, though, like for the world we grew up in to, like, see a progression to here. And our children, this is their first experience of the world it, is it, this. It, yeah. Like, that's kind of like, for me, that sounds insane. Like, I always equate it to skateboarding because I grew up in that culture. Like, I remember the era of skateboarding that I grew up in, like, 
you saw a video of someone doing the first ever kickflip, right? Right. And you were like, okay, how do I figure that thing out? Now if kids start skating, like, people are doing, like, switch flips down, like, double gaps and stuff like that. And I'm like, I would not understand how to walk into that world. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So even for, like, our kids with, like, photography and communication and all that stuff, it's like... You're basically being like, hey, here's like a here's like a, a five gig, gigahertz cell phone that you can watch Elmo on. Yeah. But you could also like order food and like so, like, <laughs> dude, that's a it, It's insane, and it's obviously going to greatly enhance our world on a variety of levels. And you know, each generation can probably pinpoint certain things, you know, that that the next one had that yeah. they didn't. And and we we are on a bit of this rocket ship to nowhere. It seems, you know, it's oh, like where insane. where is the ceiling to all this and. You know, I always joke because you feel in so many sci-fi movies that the, the future is sort of happening as we see it. It's like, oh, I remember in that movie they had AI or whatever, yeah. and it's they all seem to end up in a place where people are all wearing like white and have shaved heads. <laughs> I mean, it's like this homogenization of society. So I do worry that, like, you know, I I just was asked someone the other day, like, what's the importance of artists in our in our world? And I I feel like as all this technology wraps around us, and we do kind of end up on this level playing field it is good to have people challenging the status quo and you know i think artists and creatives tend to do that by default yeah for one one way or another whether it's creating a shocking image or writing something that makes people think or a film that maybe inspires or yeah. you know challenges us to think differently so you know i think that's all hopefully never going to get lost um you know we I don't want to be the, the, the two people talking about parenting because I know yeah. we both have young kids. Yeah. And for those who don't, it gets boring quick. But, <laughs> um, you know, my wife and I, uh, my son's six, my daughter's two and a half. And, um, you know, we're looking at schools and stuff and how a lot of the public schools are losing the arts and all these things that to her and I were everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you start going like, wow, okay, what do we want to do? Because I want my kid to have uh -huh. all of that, you yeah. know. Especially if they're interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, you also don't want to be the parent who's like making your kid do something. They like, can you hate. imagine forcing your kid to like paint? Like, I can't picture that, man. Like, it, like, there's the easel. You're not gonna get dinner until you. Have, there's like at least like half a canvas cover. Like, that just sounds insane. That's right. Yeah. I mean, well, we all did that stuff, like, because we loved it. And, and I think, I think that you know, I see that in my kids. They gravitate towards what they like, and yeah, the, they love to draw and. You know, my daughter left to sing already too. I'm in trouble. I'm gonna be. Oh god. Yeah. Did you got tickets to those? Com I know. I know. Uh, someone I used to date. She takes like her her daughter to all these like competitions for like singing and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god. Like that is like my worst fucking nightmare. <laughs> like if like I I we keep on trying to like steer our daughter towards like surfing, skating, and my my wife used to be a, a competitive figure skater. Oh wow. So towards that, and we're like. Go in that world. Although the figure skating thing, then my wife tells me, she's like, yeah, you know how much it costs my parents to do that? I was like, no. She's like, they had to file bankruptcy. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm like so into this. Like a surfboard sounds a lot cheaper than a wetsuit. You um, know, or even maybe being an accountant. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe they not even do you anything. You could use like a doctor in the family. <laughs> yeah. Not that that's the easiest way to make a living no, these days. No. But, but yeah. when, you, when you were um, at LMU and you were surfing like Porto and stuff, who were some of the people that you started surfing with there? Well, that was really the, the period I, I started looking up to Tyler at Because uh -huh. he's... Because what year was that, roughly? Oh, gosh, you're going to make me age myself? Well, I mean, no, I, yeah, it's all good. Uh, I, I graduated from college in 95. So this is like early 90s. I was really like full in on, on kind of 
being there every day probably surfing, uh-huh. you know, in the water, sometimes a few times a day if I, my classes were scheduled right. Yeah. And um, so Tyler's about a year older than I am, and, you know, he um, he's just such a standout there. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and, you know, there's obviously some guys from the shortboard world, and I was shortboarding at the time, really. Okay. And, and did a lot of shortboarding, but my friend, my friend had an old Velzy that his dad kept in the garage, and oh, whenever wow. we did our trips to Baja, uh-huh. we would throw the Velzy in, because inevitably you'd have those days that weren't yeah. quite good, and like, I realized, I'm, I'm having more fun on this old, heavy single fin than I do yeah. shortboarding, and so some, at some point in there, kind of towards the end of my college career, I, I like got rid of all my shortboards and just started riding really? heavier longboards, and that's really when I started connecting with Tyler, because that's mostly what he's riding and then yeah. he's making. Um, and his early boards were super heavy, you know, he's really tuned them through the years. They're still heavy to most people, but some yeah. of those early ones are like, yeah, he's like six, whatever, 200 some pounds. You need, I mean, that's the thing that people like don't think about. Like I'm kind of on the bigger side too. Like you, when you're bigger, you need glass and weight. It's and nice like, to have that, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we connected at some point in there and, and, you know, we weren't, Super close, but you just get to know people yeah, from yeah. surfing. And uh, and I had my crew uh, of guys that uh, were all into it. And you know, you go to Rosecrans, and it's like it's like any surf town. It's it's funny because you're in L.A., you know, yeah. and you are at kind of the you know whatever the sh- sh- shit pipe you know feeds into the bay, yeah. right? You know, right? You don't want to know what's in that water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's an interesting surf community because for anybody who knows it. It's cool that almost any day of the year you could probably go out and catch a wave, but yeah. you know if you get more than two turns in, you're like, oh, it's really good. Day, you know? <laughs> and if you could get an in and out barrel, it's like one of the best days of the year. Yeah. You know, uh, so it, it it's a can be fickle and frustrating, but I think because of that, the community you get to know there is pretty passionate about it, and they're you know. But it's a, I mean, it's interesting. It's the way breaks act, if you want to say act as a, as a, as a word to describe it is exactly how that surfing community acts. Mm. They're like a direct reflection of it. So it's like, you know, Porto's is kind of like grizzly, like it's a little rough and tough, but there are these like, you know, bright spots about it. I think that's what most people are. Like when you see those yeah. dudes that hang out in the parking lot at like what we've dubbed Tyler Point, like <laughs> like over there by Rosecrans, like everybody's got the Tyler boards. It's that old crew. 90% of them just come there and drink coffee. Don't even go in the water. <laughs> like I'm like totally. I'm like, dude, I love this. Like, this is like my favorite place in the world. But it's a direct reflection versus like a Sano crowd. Like a Sano crowd is like, I mean, I think that's the thing that's really interesting about surfing. Yeah, you could probably do a thesis paper on it, right? Yeah. It's like how these places, how the the actual surf spot influences mm-hmm. the community around it. I mean, we drove by Topanga today. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting one too in LA that. Is, you know, has a vibe and connotation for being extremely localized, uh, and yet rumor has that a lot of people who surf there maybe don't live right around the corner, you know, no, but, no, they, but, they've, <laughs> but they've planted their flag, right, the yeah, stake yeah. in the ground, and, and kind of, you know, I think if you surf somewhere consistently a lot, then you do, in a way, get to kind of, I don't know, nobody should probably claim a surf spot, but it, it's surf nature. It's it's Lo- intrinsically a very selfish <laughs> sport. Yeah, local-ish. You yeah. can say I'm a local, I'm local-ish. For all those groovy, <laughs> cool hippies, it's like the most selfish and sort oh, of God. weird sport ever. You know? Oh, forget it. Uh, and, you know, that's another generational thing. No matter who you talk to from a generation before, it was always 
should have been here when I was growing up. Is that but that's better? always, I think that's anything. That's like music, like, right? Like, oh, I saw this guy. Like, I saw Hendrix when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, you don't even fucking you don't know. know. I can't imagine, like, actually thinking about that, I can't imagine telling my, my kid, like, my daughter, like, oh, you should listen to Hendrix. I don't know what you would do. Weird. Like that was just a side thought, um, but Topanga the localism thing always makes me laugh because what I when I first started surfing there I used to get a lot of flack and I don't get it anymore because I just everyone sees me there all the time, but when people used to mouth off to me I'm like oh your parents lived in the shacks that were here and they're like no I'm like then shut your fucking mouth yeah, right. <laughs> like don't say anything to me I don't care that I'm from New York but like calm it down a little. And that's the irony, you know, I think on any, you know, even down at Rosecrans, yeah. you know, most of those people don't no. live right there, you know, yeah. the people who are very nice and yeah. I know some of them, yeah, but it's like, at the same time, you know, if, if they're the, on it every day and, and they put in the time, then why not, I guess, let them, let them grumble a little bit and complain. I mean, it's, you know, I've, my, my experience with the whole, like, quote unquote localism thing is from the skateboarding thing. Yeah. And like, you know. The Brooklyn Banks were like our spot in New York City and like when kids came from like New Jersey and Connecticut like I'm not gonna lie like we did some stuff that like luckily statute limitations we won't get arrested for but like if they came back the next day we were like okay you can you can skate here like if you like if you were willing to deal with our shit for one day all right it's cool like you could come and then we wind up becoming friends with them um, now building that uh, connection with Tyler and those guys was that what was the spark for Singlefin Yellow or mm. I mean, obviously, a big part of it since I asked him to make the board, but it was a little broader at the time. I had taken my little sojourn sort of away from film production, and I got roped into a TV series, uh, for those who remember, called Blue Torch. And it was a daily action sports show under the Fox Sports umbrella. And the guys who were pivotal in starting it were Manhattan Beach guys. Okay. And they knew that I loved surfing and I had a background in film, uh. but it kind of not been doing anything. And they're like, look, we're looking for young producers to do stuff, and we want each sport to be represented by someone who knows it. Yeah. You know, maybe you could come in and help with the surf stuff. And um, I did, and it was in Orange County, so I was driving every day. Oh, Jesus. And so a lot of that film came out of me sitting in the car, drinking coffee, uh-huh. within, you know, two hours a day to just think. And as I got into the programming at Blue Torch, you know, I wanted longboarding to have a bit of a spot in uh-huh. the surf scene. And so I was doing contests for them, and I got to know Devin Howard and Bo Young, and uh-huh. I met David Kinoshita and Daisy. Uh-huh. And so that was really, and Bonga, a big part of it too, that I saw this cast of characters from all over the world, and I kind of had the opportunity to get to, you know, hang out and have a beer yeah, with yeah, them yeah. and know who I got along with and, and whatnot and who might work. It, you know, a big part of that project for me was to sort of pick people who represented different parts of the world uh-huh. so we could hear what surfing was sort of like from their perspective. Uh-huh. So I feel very fortunate that I had been working there and got to do that. Yeah. Research, we'll call it. And, you know, it, it's a grind to make a TV show. We were doing we were doing one-hour shows a day. Uh, Wait, didn't you guys have a website? And there was a big web component. Yeah. yeah. All a little bit pre... It was in a weird way ahead of its time. It was... You guys were streaming on, like, Real Player. And it was supposed to be interactive eventually. And, no, you know, I remember uh, it now. A lot of what we're seeing now, we were... You know, we... The, the team, yeah. who's much smarter yeah. than I was, was developing. And that was actually the financing behind the whole thing, was for that part of it. Like, uh-huh. The guys at Broadcom, who were Orange County guys, yeah. had an interactive set-top chip. And so the theory was at some point you could be watching a contest, pause it on Kelly, and like buy his shorts right there. Right. You know? The dream. The dream. Which is now almost a reality on some levels. So yeah. 
I, and I give them credit because I think they saw that model and they said, look, if we do sports that young people are interested in, we'll be connecting with the type of consumer who's going to get yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be able to rope in a bunch of kids who will make this content <laughs> because that's what they're into, you yeah, know? Yeah. So we had they people from seen. the skate world and yeah. from the snowboarding world. And some of us were in-house and then a lot of content was, you know, brought in from outside uh -huh. shops. And anybody listening who was a part of it will know. I mean, it, it was, I think, a fun time for a lot of people because there was some budget uh -huh. and there was a lot of freedom. It's a little dot-com like like money going around. Because I worked yeah. for I worked for a, a beach lifestyle company in New York City when you guys were doing that same thing. Uh, okay. And like we were like, I remember our business people were trying to meet with you guys to do some kind of partnership because we were basically covering like. The beach scene from New York City, which is like kind of weird, yeah. right? Like kind of thing. We luckily the owners of the company I used to work for, they got the domain bikini.com mm. really early on, so they made this whole like beach lifestyle website, and then we were expanding into like pro surfing and the covering all that yeah. stuff. And we, I, that's why like it's all clicking. I'm like, oh, I remember this site had a yeah. real player, and it was like, but at that time everybody had these big ideas, but the technology wasn't there for it. We yeah. all tried it. It wasn't quite there. Yeah. yeah, it was ahead of its time, you know, and and. Um, and hey, sometimes the most exciting things are, you know, you're chasing the dragon's tail or whatever. And, and you know, the team was so good that CJ Oliveris, who was one of the Manhattan Beach guys um, who was pivotal, he took it when it kind of died, the uh -huh. dot-com part yeah. sort of imploded on all of us, yeah. right? And my what I thought were these stock options I could retire in <laughs> no, TV no, on no, were no, just no, like no, pieces no. of toilet paper. <laughs> <This is the laughs> that maybe weren't even worth that. but. Um, he took it and created Fuel, and Fuel TV was around for quite a while. Yeah. A lot of people know Fuel, and a lot of the great people who I had worked with kept, stayed and went to Fuel, but I was like, no, I want to make films. I want to go back to my roots, yeah. and that's when I set out and I started making Single Finiello. How long did that project, Single Finiello, take from start to finish? It was long. It was maybe three years, um, and part of that was... I mean, look, looking back now, I think I do just take a while on these things. Uh -huh. I like to get it to the point yeah. where it's in my head. But um, I would go do a trip and then come back and work for a while and save up money uh, and then do another trip. Well, because you're self-funding. It's self-funding. And uh, I remember my good friend, Mark Jeremias, um, who I ended up making One California Day with, uh, he was supporting it a little bit uh, as a producer and said, dude, if you just move home, I know it's going to be painful, but every month's rent is another plane ticket. So I moved home. I was lucky that two of my best plenty. friends had just moved home to open a bar uh -huh. who I had mentioned yeah. earlier. Uh, so they were right around the corner, so I didn't feel totally like a loser. Yeah. You know? And, um, and <laughs> you I would had go a quote unquote like, like yeah. office, if you will. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I would go on a trip and uh, come back and then try to you know book some freelance work uh, so it, it was a little bit modular that way but uh, certain sequences like with bonga i went to hawaii maybe six or seven times whoa. um you know we just had trouble kind of getting what we wanted and where'd you guys shoot most of that stuff in hawaii so we we did a bit in town kind of for his setup and then um you know all the good stuff ended up in the movies sort of on one of the last trips which is the way these movies always yeah, work always like, like you put all the time in I, and i guess that's why you stay at it you know once yeah. you get it you know yeah. You got it. But um, the pipe sequence was probably yeah. right around now. It was in April. I want to say it was even April 8th. When day. it cleans up a little. And people are gone. So yeah. it was quiet. You know, the, the tours, tours like bailed. And, <laughs> um, and, and the swells kind of come and go quicker. So yeah. you can kind of get those, you know, sessions where it's not as crowded. And granted, we're talking now almost 15 years ago. So yeah. it was just probably a little less crowded anyways. 
Um, but the, the sequences that ended up in the movie are there, and Holly Eva a little bit, and sun, Sunset, yeah. there's some good stuff. But um, that's like the best time for me. Like I, I usually go like when everybody goes like November, and yeah. I usually get skunked. But then like we went one time in April for like it was like for our baby moon. It was like <laughs> six days. Like let's just go and like every single day like at sunset I scored and I was like, whoa, this is like so much nicer. Yeah, like, I think I'm gonna start like shifting our trip. It can be magical, although you can get it. You know, right now it's been raining really hard. Our friends yeah. in Kauai just oh, have hard. gone through a flood, so we're thinking about all of them and hope everybody's okay. So it, it's spring, you know. You you never know what you're gonna Shit, get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the reception to single fil- single Finiello when it came out? It was um, the reception was pretty phenomenal. I uh, you know I I went into it kind of looking up to. Films like The Endless Summer and Big Wednesday, the John Milius theatrical film was a, a big influence of mine when I was like at film school and surfing, and um, and then the Malloy's work I love, you know, um, and so I was looking at the longboard world, and at the time I didn't feel like there was anything that sort of had those notes. Uh-huh. Um, Thomas had come out with the ceiling, which was revolutionary and, and beautiful in its own right, but it it didn't have sort of the emotion that you know I wanted to like a narrative, story. more of a narrative and more of just this you know like a, the feelings that I get out of the experience, uh-huh. um, and so that was the goal. And you know we premiered it at the Lido Theater down in Newport Beach. Oh wow! Uh, and I was literally finishing the film with. Uh, <laughs> A guy, we were like putting the end credits in, and people were already at the theater. I was getting like phone calls, like, "Are you gonna make it?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're just waiting for the thing to spit out, you know." (laughs) And so I I drove, you know, 20 minutes down the road, and I roll up, and there was a line around the block of you know 750 people or whatever. And it was crazy. And I, you know, I ran the thing up into the projection booth and didn't have time to QC it or anything, and like ran down sweating and like said, "Okay, thanks for coming. Here we go." And watch the thing play, and that was like the most nerve-wracking experience yeah. of my life. Because if anybody's gone through, you know, doing one of these projects and putting it up for people, like you feel every eyeball. You yeah. know, it's just, yeah. and it changes the film. I I've now learned that I try to put them up before I, I finish them. Yeah. So that you can have that experience and adjust, because everything feels a little slower and longer. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, let's tighten this and that. And the audience was dead quiet. The guy sitting next to me who I didn't know was just munching popcorn. I'm like, oh my God, it's just like, (laughs) it was driving me nuts, right? And the thing ends and I'm like, shit, did anybody even like this? And there was like this roar of applause. And frankly, a fair amount of people stood up. And I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) All right, now we pulled pulled this thing off. So, but that must have been such an emotional roller coaster from like from the beginning of that day to that moment, right? (laughs) It's hard to even put in words, you know. Uh, I guess such that you get addicted that you want to keep doing it for the rest of your life, you know, masochism aside. (laughs) Uh, and you know, from there forward to this day, people come to me and tell me how much that movie is meant to them, or you know, that it's. What, you know, is one of their favorites, or at a time in their life when they needed something to yeah. cheer them up. You know, I mean, I it's amazing. I had one mom who was like, "This is the only thing my two kids will watch, and oh, I wow. love you for it." She like, you know, was like, "Thank you." So it's just funny how these projects. Uh-huh. Uh, I like, I do liken it really to children. It's like you rear them and you try to make them as good as you can, uh-huh. and instill as much as you can in them. But at some point, you just gotta let them go. And yeah, they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do. Yeah, and. Um, 
you know, I've been lucky that for the most part, mine seemed to have connected with certain audiences. And they're good kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, my real kids. It's <laughs> good, right? I mean, I love the fact that like you go into Tyler's shop and it's like there on this like shelf, like with like nothing around it, like the case. It's like kind of right there. It's and then there's like I think a poster he has of like the board or something or a picture board. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, that's pretty dope. Like when you walk in, you're like, it's like kind of like eerie in a way, like really, <laughs> but like really cool. Like I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, did you, after doing that movie, did you jump right into One California Day? Or? Yeah, pretty much. And what, what, like, what was like, what made you want to do One California Day? Like, what was the inspiration for that? You know, Single Fin was definitely about the narrative and my love for longboarding, but there was sort of this undercurrent for me of like, uh, I, I want the kids to kind of appreciate a little bit of the tradition of surfing. And, huh. and so that was sort of why Tyler was the choice, because he's so rooted in yeah. kind of tuning the tradition and it, when the film finished that next year I was talking to Mark Jeremias who helped release it and Mark's brother Stefan Jeremias did a lot of our distribution and was involved with some great projects some skate projects and um, a few other things and so all of us were chatting about ideas and I really wanted to do a film about Hobie Alter and Stefan uh, and I were super excited about that and just because I think I've you know it goes back to falling in love with that Velzi yeah. in Mexico I, I just love sort of the history of of surfing and right and grew up loving the endless summer and there's something nostalgic to me about that period and we couldn't quite put it together and um, at the time those photography books were coming out one day where yeah. photographers all over the world would shoot on one day and then somebody I don't know Simon Schuster whoever would put yeah. out this gorgeous coffee table book yeah and it you know 8 a.m. in Tokyo you could see 8 a.m. in New York yeah whatever. yeah um, and I was super inspired by those. And however that happened, you know, the discussion came of uh -huh. California. And Mark and I both, and Mark had worked at Blue Torch. He was my boss. Okay. He, um, he and I were, I think, really attracted to the idea that there had been no focus on California, you know. And yeah. I don't want to toot our own horn, but this was before every brand had a bear logo on anything. Yeah. There was nothing, yeah. you know. I mean, maybe the odd thing here or there, but... It was at Venice Beach, and so we saw the opportunity to kind of celebrate this place. And you know, for me, I think it was a bit of a knee-jerk. Single fin was me wanting to get out in the world and uh, travel. Yeah, I think I'd been doing it for a while. One California day was like, God, I want to appreciate home. Yeah, and yeah. sort of jumped into it. Um, but little did I know it'd be another three, four years of full-on production. And yeah. you know, for those who think, wow, that sounds so romantic, you're so lucky. It's like, when we do those, I'm not paying myself, at least then, I've yeah. learned better. There's no salary or anything. There's no three years of salary so behind that. So, it, it was actually three years of debt, you know, yeah, that yeah. Uh, I had to, like, try to figure out a way out of. Uh, luckily, Singlefin made its money back, and I did end up getting some investors for Singlefin, so I was able to pay off my credit card, get investors, uh, pay all them back, yeah. and the movie did well. So I was kind of living off of those little royalties when uh -huh. we were making one California day. But I think, you know, it's it's just sort of a, a little deeper look in that idea of where surfing come from, how does it affect the next generation? And that, that was really the inspiration for the film and, and giving credit to this place that I think the surf industry at the time had in a way forgotten about because yeah. we were all going to the mentalizer, you know, yeah. obviously Hawaii is a big thing. And, now everybody's got a bear logo on. Yeah, now it's that. like, forget it, you can't, you can't escape yeah. it. So I give Mark and myself a, just a tiny bit of credit on that. You guys were the pioneers <laughs> on that. No, not pioneer. <laughs> but you, know, you guys put it out there. 
Um, what was the? How did you come up with the choice to have Devin do the voiceover and all that stuff? Devin, you know, I feel bad for Devin because he there was a bunch of stuff we shot, and I really wanted, um, and we we talked about almost a B story uh-huh. of Devin making a book about California, and we were going to ping in and out of that story okay. with the scenes in the film. But by the time we laid it out, my editor's like, "Dude, this it's too long. Like, it just doesn't pay off because there's really there's no." Um, that there was no challenge, there was no conflict in the uh, story, yeah, you know, yeah. in a true film yeah. story sense. It was just kind of this groovy thing of letting Devin kind of be a thread. Yeah. And uh, and Devin would be the first to joke. He introduced us with the Malloys, uh, and he's like, "Oh, the Malloys got so much screen time, like he had to cut mine and put it on the floor." <laughs> so it, it it kind of in a way ended up being whittled down to his little bit of screen time, yeah. which I love, uh-huh. and what I think is a really cool. You know, voiceover and the, no, I love it. The inspirations for, for his take was sort of that Big Wednesday. Yeah, you know, sort of this oh. voice from within the community, but almost from a different perspective. Oh, that that, that makes a lot of sense. And oh, uh, wow. and that's how we ended there. You know, which is which is cool because he's become one of my really really good friends through the years. So we've you know done a lot of projects together. Yeah. Yeah, because he was riding one of those uh, 777 boards in that, I think. One of Tyler's boards. He's mostly riding his egg. That egg, that, that, that uh, Takayama egg. Yeah, the Takayama egg. That's what it is. He's become quite the egg aficionado. Yeah, I know. A lot of people like to pinpoint that on him, which I like kind of like feel bad. I'm like, cause it's like, it's like I love watching him walk. Like, you know, the other day we were surfing uh, first point Malibu, and he had one of those skip, fl- uh, skip fry gliders. And oh, I was wow. like, I'm like, it's just like effortless. He makes like, like, Moving around this 11-foot piece of fiberglass, like, right, like nothing. No, like, I know. I wish I could. Do that. <laughs> yeah, he's just got a great flow in his surfing. It's I, so inspiring. I mean, everyone you have in that in that film has like amazing styles. Like that's what I love about watching it. Like and seeing, you know, from shortboarding to like the eggs to like longboard to like the whole thing. It's like that full spectrum, right? Of like what yeah. goes on. Yeah. Is, thank you. You know, and I. I credit Mark Jeremias a lot. You know, his quiver is like massive, and yeah. he's got everything from little single fins to twinnies to gliders to you know. Yeah. Where I, I through the years have been more of like a one god, you know, one one fin, you know, and the ding, no leash and the dings to prove it. <laughs> uh, Devin's got me writing eggs, which has been good, but Mark, Mark's just got a great um, foundation. He he did some contests growing up. He's a really good surfer, and, and he was great in pushing like, wow, let's really explore through these different characters what they're interested in writing yeah yeah make sure the film by the end represents uh-huh. all these different things and, and and that was you know again he and i t- have talked about it it's the timing was just kind of lucky like people were just getting into writing everything joel yeah. had been such a great proponent some yeah. people were bagging on him yeah. but you got alex and tyler warren who have now really blossomed yeah. into what they are and and so it's it's a really neat representation of that that period that um, you know, it would be hard to replicate, and that's just dumb luck. You know, you kind of fall into these things sometimes. Right, right place, right time. Yeah, you know, and we were masochistic enough to do it in film, which yeah. makes it kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, the thing that's cool too is like you know, like a direct reflection of the geography is that 
it's surfing in California, you sort of have to have quivers like that. Because there's some days that it's like punchy and big. There's some days that it's just like soft. And like, if yeah. you don't have it, you're not going to... I have friends of mine who like basically like only have one or two kinds of boards. And I'm like, and they're only surfing like a quarter of the time I do. And I'm like, yeah, because you, you got to yeah. just, you just sort... This is what it is. Like one day it's one way, one day it's another. Yeah. It's not like, you know, like if you like grew up on the North Shore, it's pretty much two kinds of waves there. Like that's all it is. And it's like, you'll have two boards. If anything, even one board will surf the purpose thing right. kind of thing right but here it's like that's what i love about that film too like on a total like board nerd perspective like it's great to see like you know joel surfing and like Devin and like all these other guys surfing all these different kinds of equipment at these different kinds of breaks in the same state that you could pretty much drive to within four four hours right yeah From, yeah, yeah like i'm like that's kind of like where where else in the world do you have that opportunity no it's it, you're exactly right and you know i feel you know, the people, and I, and I get where people get dead set in their ways or, you know, maybe they want to do contests and so they just want to ride yeah. their equipment. But I, I agree with you. I think they're they're limiting themselves and missing out on mm -hmm. some fun, you know. And, and, hey, look, I look at my nephew, Connor Coffin. He grew up on longboards and um, and rode him, you know, probably till he was 10 as he started integrating his shortboarding with contests. And you look at his style, and I think it shows. Oh, so yeah. I think there's something to be said about that too. You know, yeah. it's, it's sometimes the equipment dictates, you know, a little bit uh -huh. of how you ride. Um, oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, you look at like like Alex is a good example. Like he cheat fives on a rush short at V Lane. <laughs> right. That comes from longboarding, yeah. and it looks dope when he does it on like like on that like bonzer. It's like pretty sick, like seeing him pull into like a, a VLAN like little tube, a cheat five on that. I'm like, you know, that's where you're getting at. But I mean, I'm a big proponent of it. I think it's been one of the biggest learning lessons for me is like logging, like as being the principal, and then just kind of like splintering off. I do take something from that um, and, and apply it to like surfing mids and fishes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I think more kids people need to do it. Um, and your film, like, what's so beautiful about it, it does showcase that. And I think I, like I was telling you earlier, like, it's something I put on and watch my, let my daughter watch all the time. And she sits there and she watches it. She's staring the whole time. And I'm like, yes, she's learning the right way. She, when she's ready for the water, she's going to know what to do. Hopefully. Um, uh, you did, after doing that film, did you jump right into doing surf films? Or what did you do? After One California Day? Yeah. No, I, um, that was when I started realizing that I had to make a living. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, the commercial world seemed like a, a good transition. Uh-huh. Um, One California Day came out in 2007. Uh-huh. Uh, we premiered it at the El Segundo High School 7707, which is Oh, wow. And um, so I spent, you know, a little time after that trying to to get into the commercial world and, and doing some stuff for small brands. Toes on the Nose was one of the first that uh -huh. kind of let me, you know, do something. And uh, and so that was cool because commercials, you know, there's a time where I think people looked at them as selling out, but in a way you're, you're getting paid to go filmmake and often experiment because you're trying to come up with things that are visual or unique or whatever, you know. On someone else's dime. On someone else's dime. Uh, and if you do your job well, you know, they're hopefully benefiting because they have a, a piece of work that helps them sell whatever they're trying to sell you know yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was it was an interesting that was an interesting period of transitioning and um i knew i was still interested in, in i'll say real movies for lack of a better term uh -huh. 
And when I say that, I mean more scripted narrative than surf. Uh And I worked with a manager for a while and and kind of dabbled in trying to find a project, but everything that came to me was surf related. It was so cheesy. And that's the thing. A lot of stuff that they try to put out in the mainstream for surfing just winds up being whack. It's tough, you know, and um, there's been some okay examples through the years, but I think at the end of the day, the story can't be the surfing. The surfing needs to be a backdrop, you know, it needs to be character. Any good film, TV show, or Uh book, it should be character driven, you know, and conflict, and and that should be the story. And if they are living in a surf environment and that affects some of their decisions, then that's kind of cool, but uh, you know, it it needs to be grounded on the foundation of literary competency. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them fall, you know, it's like, oh, he wins the contest at the end. It just doesn't work. And it's hard to replicate. In a, in a way, it just know? comes off of, like goofy. I mean, the North Shore is like a classic. Yeah, that one, that one holds up. <laughs> yeah, just because it's so goofy. Like it's it's crazy for me that movie though, because a lot of people who are not even in surf, like for skaters, it's like a big movie to watch. Oh, classic! Like like street skaters in New York, yeah. like love. Like that's how I was exposed to it. Like these like random street skaters that I grew up with were like, "Have you ever seen this movie?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Dude, this is like goofy." <laughs> um, so you had a big gap between. Between uh, one California and uh, Bella Vida, how did Bella Vida come about? So, I, I did cognizantly take the time to kind of say I got to focus on career a little bit because uh-huh. the surf films are fun, but they take so long. Yeah. They're not the best business model, you know. Um, and uh, I was doing commercials. I was doing a fair amount of work with Patagonia and having a lot of fun connecting with the Malloys, who I got to know making One California uh-huh. Day. And um, I was actually on vacation in 2010, so it was about three years after. Uh-huh. And I ran into Chris Del Moro, who okay. I had met at the Santa Barbara Film Fest when he was premiering Sliding Li- Liberia. And I think I had Single Fin Yellow that year, maybe. Oh, okay. So it had been a while since we'd seen each other, uh-huh. but you know, we knew of each other and we have a lot yeah. of mutual friends. And we were both on vacation in Bali and we were literally just chatting like this over a couple uh-huh. bintangs. And I was telling him, yeah, I'm kind of itching to make another movie, but if I do it, like, I've got to do something different. I can't, yeah. you know, it's like I need to keep kind of pushing my work and the narrative, and I'd like it to be more story-driven. And he knew that I was Italian. He said, wow, you know, I don't know if you appreciate it, but I grew up in Italy with my dad half the year, and he told me his life story. And he's all, I know these crazy guys in Italy who are just like surf craze. They are insane about surfing. And I, honestly, it was one of the first times I had heard that yeah. that was even a subculture. Oh, yeah. And um, then he showed me photos, and I was like, wow, this is real. There's actually, yeah. you can get pretty good waves. Yeah. So that was the, the beginning of it. And we kept chatting about it after that trip for a little while. And, you know, he had said then, he's like, you'd, you'd be a really great person to do a film about surfing in Italy. So I got to give him credit for thinking of me. And um, what what I flipped the script on was I go okay, but the movie needs to be about you. <laughs> and he's like, let's ah. do it about you. And yeah, he's so he's like, no, 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 no. I, he didn't even want to be in it. He just wanted to go over there and interview that crew. And I'm like, Chris, your story is so like it could be so inspiring. And he's got such a neat presence. Um, as as if you see the film, you get a lot of. Oh, it's and, a beautiful. Uh, his story is really beautiful and touching with his grandparents, and I could personally relate because. I used to get sent back to Croatia every uh, summer as a kid and live with my grandparents on the farm, on the beach. Like, I, like when I was watching it, I was like, there were so many memories. And I was like, oh, this is really, like, a beautiful way to tell that thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, and really that's cool, cool to hear because, and I've heard other people say similar, like, oh, this reminds me of 
moments I used to have with my grandparents. And, you know, for me, that's actually when I get excited about filmmaking, you know, more so than, yo, you inspired me to, you know, go surf here or there. It's like, I like hearing those bigger kind of life connections and I get goosebumps just thinking about some of them. And it ended up that kind of film, like that movie, more than the other two, because it's not, you know, we were saying earlier, it's not really a surf movie. And I knew that going into it. We were going to Italy. Yeah. And we frankly got pretty skunked on it, even on Italy standards. Yeah. Which is the nature of any surf movie. As soon as the cameras come out, it just like rain and flat and bad wind. And you're just, you know, I had Dave Rostovich in Sardinia with us for, gosh, he ended up staying, I think, close to 30 days. Holy shit. And, you know, we only got like a couple decent days of surf. And all the Sardinians, the Italians are so funny because they wanted us to score. And the Sardinians, too, they wanted to share it with the world. So they were like, oh, it's never this bad, you guys. (laughs) It was so sad. We're like, oh, okay, we're going to stay longer. And we just kept fighting for it. And in the end, you know, I think we got enough that it it sort of shows the potential. Um, Like if you follow Bella Vita Film on Instagram, my, my buddy Scott, one of the producers, he posts the sessions going down like yesterday and yeah i'm like oh if we had those waves when we were there i'd be please but you know it would have been a different movie it probably would have skewed more surf and and maybe lost some of what i love about it you know in the end yeah because a lot of the stuff that you show there too like the craftsmanship that the people are doing on all these like in the vineyards and all this kind of stuff and i think it's you do there's a parallel to to surfing in a sense of the craftsmanship behind surfing and board building and board being like a direct reflection of the person on the water and the brakes and all that and I think that was really beautiful you don't get that on a lot a lot of right. films yeah which is really nice um well thank you no I, I, <laughs> I love it and like I said like there's definitely like a personal connection like I was thinking about my Nona when I saw it so I was like kind of like oh this is cute like I kind of right, like I right. remember this we said it's funny like we as kids used to call it immigrant summer camp <laughs> because it's like like our parents couldn't afford summer camps so and they're like go stay with grandma and like we as kids don't realize like it's mom and dad just being like we need you the fuck out of the house for three months so we could chill like alright there's no school like that was a paradigm now you know like, oh, I'm like okay what are we gonna do this yeah. it's like wait uh, spring break <laughs> we're like no no you're going you're going with grandma um I know uh it's a really beautiful story you had a lot of great people involved with it and stuff one of the things that happened there uh, was this what wind up being the uh starting point of Zio Bafa wines for you the wine, yeah. Well, if, if you see the movie, a, a central character is Pier Giorgio Castellani, who is a vintner, fifth generation. His family's been, they've been, I think, exporting wine for over 120 years uh-huh. now, and then making wine even beyond that. Uh-huh. And he was, like, a huge part of that project happening because we stayed on his property, and he introduced us to so many of those characters. And... You know, I was there 108 days shooting, and I spent a lot of time with him driving up and down the boot. And so we would chat. And at the time, you know, Mark and I with One California Day had partnered with some licensing stuff that were kind of cool and had done some things. And we were talking about doing a beer, which ended up not working. This beer brand was going to license and do a whole One California Day line, which was kind of just fun because yeah. I like beer. Yeah. And I was telling him that story, and I'm like, hey, who knows? Maybe we could do a wine. You know, it was like one of those jokes. Uh-huh. Well, cut to a year or so later when the movie was finally done, and he's like, you know, Jason, guys, we need projects to stay close. Otherwise, once a year we get together, we get, we get drunk. <laughs> it's like, and that's fine. But if we have a project, we can connect. And he said, what do you think of Zio Baffa wine? And Zio Baffa is Uncle Baffa in yeah. Italian. Zio is uncle. 
And I guess because I have a pension for keeping people up late or maybe opening that extra bottle of wine that we don't all need when we're yeah. getting up early, my nickname became Zio Vatha in Italy. I was like the crazy uncle. <laughs> my Italian's so bad, I didn't even know that was my nickname until much later. You're like, oh, that's cute. And so they, they kind of came up with this concept as a bit of a joke uh, inspired by that. And um, Chris did the label. And what's cool about Pier Giorgio is he's like, you know, if we're going to do it, let's kind of embrace our surf ethos and let's do it 100% organic yeah. and sustainably produce and the packaging's built with re recycled materials uh -huh. and he even found this crazy uh, reusable cork so instead of a yeah, twist so off cap. So what's the deal with that because I found that really interesting. I, I think you know that the big picture conversation for those not interested in wine I apologize but I think you know the the metal screw caps become popular because it is easy and uh -huh. Wines don't get corked because no air cork can't rye. get in, which you might say isn't as good because there is a little bit of evolution a wine goes through even with the cork, yeah. you know. But um, I think the cork business is hurt because of that. Oh, yeah. And so the idea was, wow, could you kind of have both? And Amarim, who's one of the bigger cork producers, uh, uh, I believe they're out of Portugal. I uh, should know that. Uh, but um, they designed this cork, and the key to it is there's a laser grooving in the bottle. So because the bottle has grooves inside, the seal is locked. Uh -huh. And they have, I think, a patent on that. Oh, wow. Otherwise, the cork, you yeah. know, you wouldn't get a tight seal. Yeah, so yeah. the technology kind of hadn't been there to do it. Oh, wow. Um, you know, a champagne is wired yeah. on shut. That's kind of how you get yeah. that seal. But our cork, you can literally open it and put it back on, and the wine will keep for two or three days in that fashion, which is pretty remarkable. That's that's actually a really and, good selling And point. the cork's um, sustainably harvested. You know, they don't cut down the trees. They pull cork out and they keep growing it. So yeah. it's, it's better than those, you know, screw caps that are metal and just sort of end up in a, a waste bin or, you know, hopefully landfill, they get, yeah, yeah, landfill. Hopefully they get recycled either way. So it's, it's an exciting part of it, and I think, I do think you'll be seeing a lot more wines doing it. I think wines are worried that they wouldn't hold. Yeah. Um, and so that's been kind of maybe a part of not everybody jumping to it. Well, I mean, one of the big things is like, look, at the end of the day, if it's like, let's say if you're just a couple and you have a bottle of wine, you're not necessarily going to finish like a whole bottle of wine. You kind of want a glass or something, right? You exactly. have dinner and stuff like that. So it's like you, you want to like, okay, I mean, have a glass or two, close it maybe two days later. That's a problem with a lot of the wines. I and mean, yeah. it's like, then you feel guilty about like, Hey, I opened a $50 bottle of wine and I only drank a glass. That's me. So like, I know that, like, I kind of like the reason why I stopped drinking wine was because I felt like shit every time. Like I was like, all right, I just opened up this, like this, um, sea smoke Pinot and I just drank a glass and it's going to go bad. I'm an asshole. I'm like a wine asshole. <laughs> yeah, like right. it's horrible. And the funny thing that you bring up the thing about that'll it'll keep a couple of days. I went to CES recently, and one of the biggest things that like won awards there, it's the craziest thing, it was one of these wine systems that basically where this needle goes in. The needle in. goes in, yeah. Yeah, and you could pour it out and stuff like that, and it was like, oh, it could keep for like two weeks or something like It's that. sort of the magic bullet of the wine industry, because yeah. a lot of people feel the way you do, and now you're seeing people come out with, you know, half, you know, whatever. Or cans. Three, 350 <laughs> or cans. <laughs> Which I think you know, box wine's almost coming back in vogue. <laughs> I think, you know, part of the ethos in this really comes from Pier Giorgio in, in Italy, where, you know, if, if you, you travel there, you'll see it's wine's part of life. It's a yeah, yeah. lunch, and it's lighter, it's less alcohol, uh -huh. um, and so that's what he wanted to do. So our wine, it, you know, it's like a $10 bottle of wine. It's just like an everyday uh -huh. wine, but it's still organic, and actually, you know, we got a 91 points from a pretty good wow. grader, uh, James Suckling. So 
you know, it. I think there's a there's a snob appeal to wine. I love big expensive wines. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it is good, so you don't feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. Find a few wines that you like, you know, that aren't that expensive bottle. So then, even if you don't finish it, you know, it's you're a like, oh, I don't feel so lost. bad. And you know, I would recommend because. In Europe, they have access to it at the corner store, but go to Trader Joe's, try the foreign wine. They don't, Trader Joe's importation doesn't mark up the way other places do. Uh-huh. They've got a good system there. And um, Is that because they're doing it so much bulk, or is it just... It has to do with the volume. Yeah. yeah. And it's a smart business model, and they found a bit of a loophole because you do have to have separate importation and sales. Uh, okay. The Kennedys did that years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, rumor is to protect their whiskey business, oh, but uh, it's now you know part a big part of alcohol and alcohol distribution and importation. But at Trader Joe's, you can get Pure Giorgio has uh, wine, the Grifoni label. Huh. Uh, for there's a five dollar bottle that I love. Wow. There's a ten dollar one that's very similar to what we used to drink in Italy. So oh. you know you can find those. It's and I think that's what's fun about wine. Yeah. Um, and hey, you know, when you have that $100 bottle or even the $50, you know, the Pinots, the good ones start around, right, 45 Yeah. yeah. It, it is still a special experience, and yeah, wine's pretty cool that way, you know. It, it's one of the easiest things to nerd out on, for sure. Yeah, like, you, like, you, you can totally get in this, like, black hole. Like, <laughs> my dad and I definitely got into the black hole for a couple of years, and then it was, like, totally, like, all right, we got to stop away. Like, this is not good. It's like, yeah. like, you know. Well, Pure Georgia is fascinating, you know. When he discusses it on almost like a metaphysical level about the light and dark and how the roots are down the dark in the soil, gaining all the nutrients, but yet the light is reaching the you know the leaves on the vine and, and nurturing the fruit, and then you pick it and it goes back into dark because you cask it. Yeah. And in his opinion, then it gets light again when you you know bottle it, and then finally it goes dark in the bottle it goes light again when you open it you know and even that's that air that oxygenation so yeah. it has this like dualistic personality uh-huh. and his jokes like you see the dark when someone has too much <laughs> but if they get just the right amount then then it's the light you it's know light. it's the light it makes you very happy <laughs> uh you know and i think and, and i think he comes from a place where he really believes like if there is too much you know stuff like added sulfites or oh, yeah. you know especially in our california wine biz where they're trying to do huge volume they are adding things additives that maybe put a little more dark in than light oh, really so you know it's it's interesting it's not uh regulated it's not fda regulated when you grab a bottle of wine it doesn't tell you what's in the wine you kind of got to trust the winemaker you gotta i mean well now but, the big thing too is like let's say uh trace chemical from roundup that they're finding yeah it's really dangerous. dude that's gnarly and it's hard and you know and this is we could derail as you were saying nerd out we could derail quickly and i'm not an expert but you know for any given farm even if they're trying to be pesticide free you know as soon as a heavy rate comes and they're down the the hill from somebody using it it's just all that is in our ecosystem these days so it it's hard on the farmers but you know people are passionate about it pure georgia is one of those and we're seeing i think more and more of that Uh um I'm about, actually, I did a little uh, video for Zio Baffa on a, just a friend who's a surfer chef in Santa Barbara, uh, Oliver Parker. Yeah. And um, he's so passionate about like buying fresh from the farmer's market, even getting to know some of the farmers, uh-huh. you know, know where your food comes from, know how they grow it. It's pretty cool and it's very Italian. Like, yeah. That was the thing in Italy, I noticed 
once, because we were there fall to winter, once the tomatoes were gone, it's not on the menu. Yeah. You know, in California, you see everything because they can get everything. We can almost grow everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way to do it, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, a tomato you get in September, even in California, is so much better than one you get yeah, yeah. in December. Well, it's also that big gas, like, like gas rights and all exactly. that stuff. Like, people, like, they hate to admit it, but it's, like, it's pretty much what's going yeah. on. <laughs> so I think it's important for people to, I don't know, at least pay attention to that stuff. Well, have that connection, right, with the people that are giving you the stuff that's giving you joy and sustenance in a way. Yeah. And that's the same way with, like, board building. I was going to say, and I had never thought about it, but yeah. you just brought it to my attention. I, I guess it's a theme for me, you know. Yeah. I, it's like appreciate where this stuff comes from yeah. and even with filmmaking you know yeah. i i get pissed when my friends go to a movie and they're like i fucking sucked or i hated it you know i, I was no good and it's like nobody goes out to make a bad movie it certainly <laughs> feels like hollywood does every now and then but you know at the end of the day a lot of people worked really hard trying yeah. to make that thing good so at least give a little look the movie it was like <laughs> wanted to be a good movie right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was even trying so you know it's a little bit of try walking in their shoes but i i guess it's for whatever reason, I do gravitate towards appreciating the work people put into doing stuff. You know? Well, it makes you more, I, I think for me, because I feel very much the same way. For me, it's like I feel more comfortable giving my money. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like, I worked hard to earn my money. So like you worked hard and I know you and kind of thing. And you know, the thing you were bringing up about, you know, the, the thing in Italy, like I know, like when I was a kid and I'd go to like Croatia and stuff like we knew the fishermen who got us our fish, and like we knew yeah. where our like my grandmother made we uh, on my dad's side they had 150 head sheep farm where they made cheese. Like I was like I like people used to come and buy cheese from my grandmother's like house. Like yeah. I'm like I totally get that kind of thing, and that's definitely given me appreciation to talk to people like Tyler and like you know like I get boards now from like Kyle Alberts like like firsthand going to their houses and being like okay this is what I want and shape it like this it's the same way as like me picking out a tomato yeah right and like okay let me feel a couple of them okay I know you picked this and they might be like oh these are a little bit better like for what you like and it's kind of nice to see that I think you know if you can take the step back and find the time to do those things it you know we started this conversation about the immediacy of our world and sort yeah. of this crazy technology push and I think as people my wife and I joke all the time with our kids, like, God, we kind of want to live in a compound with other couples, yeah. kind of be the tribe. And, you know, there, there is something to that. Like, at our core, I think we come from a place that maybe we're evolving out of, and that's not necessarily a good thing, you know? Yeah. So, and I think that's why you're seeing more and more of this. You know, people are doing other podcasts and making movies about yeah. staying connected to these things. Because I think as humans, it is important. Well, it's also like, it's almost like the most punk rock thing to do now. Yeah. Like, to be honest, like, if you went with the norm, you're basically just, like, cookie-cuttering everything. And, like, it's like, no, actually, you know, there's people who, like, sand stuff, and there's people who, like, make pasta by hand, and there's people who, like, grow their vegetables. What's, uh, out of curiosity, what's the restaurant that, this, uh, the truck in Santa Barbara? He's freelance, so oh, okay. he'll, he's, like, yeah, private. Okay. I was I'll, just curious, because, like, I'm, like, a big addict to the lark. That's like that. Uh, those, Lark's great. Yeah. That whole crew, like the Marchand, like my wife and I, like we stay in the funk zone. We do that whole shit. Yeah. Like, like we get fat there. It's like <laughs> great, you know, kind of thing. Santa Barbara is a very special, special place. Oh, my parents, like the first time I took them there, my mom, farm girl from, you know, Croatia, the the peninsula that's right over the Italian border, right over Venice. It was Italy pre World War II, so that's where she grew up. We took her there. 
was like the year that we moved here five years ago we took her on like this wine tour and stuff like that and she's like this place feels like home uh, yeah. like she was like in love with it and I'm trying to convince my parents to get a place there so I could go surfing kind of all yes. the time so I'm hoping there you go. work on that <laughs> so now um, you know you you were mentioning to me earlier that you you've transitioned to doing more scripted stuff or that's where you want to go yeah it's you know I've always loved movies obviously and, and because of my surf obsession I kind of fell into doing those projects uh -huh. and in a weird way I now it might be a midlife crisis I feel like I derailed what I could have had in a career of uh -huh. more classical storytelling I guess yeah. so I kind of put my foot down about a year ago and I, I just said I'm just gonna put more time into writing uh -huh. scripted ideas it's not that I'm not still you know the documentaries we would outline and I come to them um, I think with a, with actually a pretty clear vision of what I'm trying to accomplish, and so I usually joke that I'm I'm a bit of a frustrated narrative filmmaker doing these documentaries, yeah, yeah. you know. And so we would set up stuff and shoot scenes that I thought would make work in the edit, and and that process excites me. So I'm just trying to take that to the next level, and you know, it's a little bit been going back to school and, and, and reminding myself and relearning some things that I probably should have stuck with a long time ago. But it's exciting. It's it's scary and exciting to sit at a blank page and the world can be dreamed up you know there's no yeah. limitation to budget or or um, logistics or mother nature or yeah. whatever and uh, I, I'm adamantly not writing anything about surfing although the first film I just finished and, and now doing some rewrites is very much about ocean and, and a character who's uh, related to the ocean oh. um, but no surfing. So, you know, it's well, only at the end of day, one, it's one like, step away. It's impossible to do art that's not related to your personal experience. As much as anyone wants to talk about your personal experience is always going to, like, and your passions are always going to bleed into your art. Well, and I think if, if, if you do something that doesn't have that, it, it's kind of bullshit. You know, or, yeah, it comes out, or it comes out crap. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, and that was a lesson learned on this over the last year. Right? I think yeah. my early work on it was a bit more, oh, I'm going to create something commercial and big and, uh -huh. and and then as I looked at it, I said, well, what am I trying to say? What parts of me are, you know, are, need to be, uh, all this stuff's like therapy. Instead of going to a therapist, I just make yeah. these projects. And well, isn't like all art at the end of the day is therapy? It's like, it's like, listen, do I want to pay someone 90 bucks an hour? Yeah. Or do I potentially want to make something that someone might pay me for? Right, yeah. Like, might as well, well do that. Buy a roll of film for that 90 bucks yeah, and yeah. You know, see what we get. Yeah. So it's been exciting, and if there's any producers or uh, other writers out there listening, or famous actors yeah. who like surfing and want to read a script, uh, by all means, hit me up. But Are there any like themes that you're exploring, or is it kind of just like... Uh, that's interesting. I, I keep gravitating towards this idea of communication and loss of it, I think, on a certain level with our technology. Uh -huh. um, and I'm, you know, my friends know I'm, I'm one of the worst. I'm like, I'm, I'm a big texter and I rarely answer my phone. Yeah. But doing this uh -huh. is such a nice thing. Uh -huh. You know, I'm with two kids. I don't, like, I don't get to have a conversation with an adult. My wife and I don't get to have a conversation. Yeah, very no, no, often, I get so, it. I get it. <laughs> um, maybe it's, you know, it's like if, if single thin was about exploring the world and if, if one California day was appreciation for where I'm grew up and then Bella Vita was a little bit of, I think at the time I had my first son yeah so it's really about family and sort of roots and the tradition uh -huh. you teach sort of your kids about family and where you're from the work I'm doing now is very much about like communication and and are we communicating and and what do we need to do and and, and I and those are very very buried 
in subtext. Yeah. Um, but I do fear as technology speeds up and it, in an odd way makes us more able to communicate with each other, we're becoming insular. And I think especially our younger people. And, mm -hmm. and that's something that if I could create a little art that reminds people in a way they don't realize it, yeah. to sit down and have a coffee with someone and yeah. just chat about life for an hour, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, we're given, we're given all these tools through te technology, whether it be through social media, FaceTime, all this stuff that theoretically is supposed to make it that we could connect easier, yeah. but we're almost pushing ourselves away from each other. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and posting kind of this idyllic version of ourselves, it's really it's on some levels, I think, you know, this sheen yeah. that we want to be perceived this way. And uh, I was joking uh, to a friend and I said, my, my feed would have been epic in 97. <laughs> and she's like, you got to change that. So I did just yesterday. I'm like, okay, this is my new tagline. Because I got like, like that, though. You know, I, like, I'm not posting the coolest stuff because I live in a life of kids and yeah. school and work and trying to get dinner on the table but you know what's funny though I think more people though want to like as much as there's like this big audience that wants to see this perfect life and this like Kardashianism of the world right like the bling and the yeah. like everything great I think there's so many people like that want to see the real world and part of it is like at least this is my perspective Part of it is like, like I'm a huge like Smith and Morrissey fan. Like it's really gross, but like I'm like really like really into the, into Morrissey and stuff. And the reason everyone asks me, they're like, oh, it's so depressing and blah blah blah. I'm like, why do you want to see that? And why do you want to listen to that? I'm like, because no no matter how bad my day is, it's never as bad as a Smith and Morrissey song. So it makes me feel better. So I think the same thing like with social media. I think people do want to see like the kid vomited on me five times because then you're like, when you think about it, when your kid has the flu, you're like, okay, it's not as bad as that video I saw. Right. It's kind of nice, and it's also the connection. Like you're talking about connection, like. I can't connect with someone who has a Lambo, but I can connect with someone who has a who got shit on their hand from changing the diaper for their <laughs> kid. Like I, okay, that's we've all had that happen, right? You know, and yeah. I think there needs to be more of that in this world. Yeah, yeah, just the, the blatant honesty, you know. And uh, kudos to the, the few people who are good about it. But you know, I think you just anytime you're presenting something, and that's yeah. what these things have kind of become, you start curating. Uh, you know, at least I know I do. It's like visually, I only want to put certain things yeah. up and maybe something's funny or whatever, but if I shot it with my iPhone, it looks like crap. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I do like Instagram story for that because I feel like That's it's more genius. fleeting. Yeah. And it's like a bit more, okay, I'm just, it's gonna be And gone. you don't feel so like, like it's permanent, right? No. You're just kind of like, okay, it's gonna be up there for 24 hours. Exactly. I talk about this with my mom all the time. Like she's like a technology like idiot kind of on a certain level, but a savant on another level. <laughs> so like what she will do is she'll take a zillion pictures and post all the blurry ones, but she posts on Facebook like a maniac, like almost that she's getting paid to be an influencer. It's kind of <laughs> insane. But there's like a beauty of it, like seeing my mom like, half eyes closed like trying to smile like I'm like this is her like it's a little this, more natural yeah like she is imposing for it well so. and that goes back to that conversation about photography in the digital world like there's there's less bad photos of people now too because we yeah. delete them all and it's like, <laughs> you're oh, like no, I need no, space no, on no, the no, card no. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you go through your family's old album like you see the classic photo of you know whoever by the by the barbecue looking just horrible and it's great it's like no, it's real life. there's a real emotion to it <laughs> right it's like there's an emotional thing like yeah. that's the thing too with i think a lot of this like social media the too much connection like and curating like you were saying it's almost like the emotion has been pulled out of it right yeah. and they're and technically they're trying to give you some kind of emotional response so like even like a perfect surf photo right you look at that and you're like wow i'm supposed to be inspired to get like tubed a pipeline but the reality of the situation 
hey, that's never gonna fucking happen, okay? <laughs> like, I'd rather see, like, someone just, like, dip their head in, like, a three-foot yeah. wave, and I'm like, okay, I can relate to that, and I remember what that feels like, and then the emotion yeah. got served. I mean, I think all art, we're just trying to, like, really, like, someone look at, like, whether it be film or um, a photograph or, like, a piece of graphic design. Like, we're trying to evoke some kind of emotional response to them, and this social media thing has almost, like, it's created the opposite, right? It's like yeah. kind of pushed it away and like we can't do it. Yeah, but I, I think it's here to stay. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> going anywhere, but I, I think that's the beauty of it is that it's, it's just like any other tool, right? Like you could, use a, you could use a Formula One car to basically mow people over, or you could use a Formula One car to drive a perfect line on the Autobahn. Yeah. So we've been given these tools and now it's just like, yeah. okay, here's the monolith. What are you going to do with it? No, that's a great point. You know, like let's have fun with it. Um, if you would give any advice to someone who wants to get into film period your experience and stuff what would be the, the the one thing you'd want to tell them to to do or to start out doing well there's one thing i would want to tell and then i'm going to add one thing that i'll start with because i think it's getting lost but you know young kids have all these tools and and those who are interested in it are doing work that took me years to figure out but i've heard from film professors that when they get to film school they have no concept how to collaborate because they've been so insular, because they have all the tools at their disposal. Yeah. And filmmaking is a collaborative craft. I mean, kudos to the few people who could go out all alone and do something. But, you know, if you want to do it on a commercial level, yeah. you need to learn how to work with people. Um, and, and so find people you like hanging out with who, you know, have a similar aesthetic as you. Um, beyond that, I would, I would really say it is a craft. And think of it that way. You're going to learn from people who have done it. Uh, it's it's a world now where you could do that on YouTube if you want, or you could go on set and be a PA and, it, you know, everybody appreciates the person who's learning and curious and asking questions and it's there to help. Right. But you're not there for your, your career, you're there to, to help. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a PA on set uh, on a job not too long ago and like they wouldn't even lift a chair. And it's like, dude, you, you know, yeah. you're getting paid a couple yeah. hundred bucks. Lift anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just if, if you want it, get in and people will be so receptive. Like you, you have know? to humble yourself. Well, I think, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, uh, you can't, everybody's different, right? Yeah. You know, and everybody are going to go to different things. I had a kid help me. Uh, I was actually shooting something at Mavericks for a TV show. And a local kid was so on it. And he wants to do films and he worked his butt off. And I'm like, dude, if you ever need anything, email me because you just, really showed me how much you care about this and that's you know that hopefully could be the difference from him at some point if i could help him or open a door we'll see that's the other side of it too it's not just the learning experience it's the connection right like people are going to see that from you yeah. it's it's a it's a connective tissue like i said it's a collaborative business you are probably more powerful in your connections than you are in your abilities to a fault yeah uh the well-connected person in film may go further than the super talented person who you know can't can't hold a conversation yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that's like in anything. Maybe. It's, it's like sort of like paying your dues, developing those like those relationships, and then like down the road, you never know. Like like yeah. not, not developing the relationships for the sake of like, hey, I'm getting something out of this, but be a genuine person. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's that's how the world is. Um, and I think good things do happen for those people. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that 100%. 100%. I know for me, like everything that all my relationships I developed in my skateboarding life have like led to stuff that I yeah, do now. So yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like totally like get that i'm always like hey don't don't burn someone on a wave you right. never know right. <laughs> like, it might be kind of nice um in closing uh if you had to pick any wave to surf 
where any break, where would it be and why? Can I can I eliminate the people? <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So an imaginary situation. You're by yourself. Yeah, ring con on a good day yeah. with just a few friends. That that's a funny thing. I don't know if anyone's experienced really good waves alone, but you're always like, God, I wish someone was here to yeah. share it with. And then as soon as there's too many people, you're like, Why are there so many yeah. people? Yeah, I mean, ring con to me when it's good is is one of the the most fun waves in in the world, uh-huh. really. Um, Minus maybe the cold, so yeah, the water's but, a little. Yeah, uh, that that would be high on it. You know, if if you got to take the crowd with it, then I would take a place where there wasn't much of a crowd. So anywhere off the beaten path. I mean, some of my favorite memories of surfing were down in Baja, where you find a little cove or something and get away from the crowd. I just I like that aspect of it. You know, to me, that's part of what I'd love. When I think yeah. About it. Well, it's um, the thing that like like everyone. I think when you watch like movies like Endless Summer and some of these other movies like the Severson movies and stuff like that like there's no one in the lineup there's no one in so it's just this, this nostalgic draw yeah the reality is you walk into the water now especially in California it's like minimum 50 people I tell people in Hawaii all the time that like um, people I surf with on North Shore I'm like like I remember someone took me to like um, to V-Land and they're like oh I'm so I'm so sorry it's so crowded and it was like 20 people I'm like yo every morning I wake up I have 100 people to deal with at Topanga yeah. like I get, get in and this out and they're like what? I'm like, yeah. It's like, it's all relative. This is mellow. Um, anyone you want to thank, shout out to? Um, I should mention that we're finishing this film called Loopers. Uh, it's a documentary about golf caddies. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry no. we didn't get into it. I'm it's so all sorry. right. I, we talked about a lot of fun no, stuff. No, no, let's, 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 seriously, let's <laughs> like, like cover this. So what's, what's, what's uh, the deal with that? Loopers is a project I was brought on to do, so it was kind of new for me that I didn't, it wasn't from a seed of my brain. Uh-huh. But uh, I was hired, and the team is just super cool, cool group of guys a lot of which end up being surfers but it's uh kind of a historical look to the present about the relationship between golfer and caddy Uh so uh a loop is 18 holes of golf a lot of caddies will say hey i'm gonna go for a loop or i'm gonna do two loops today Uh and that means they're working you know sometimes two bags during a loop but they're gonna go out and caddy and it's just been fun when it came to me you know I'd, i'd never heard anything done like this and um you know caddies are a little more in the mainstream in the last year or two yeah you're starting to realize who they are like when like tiger woods fires this caddy you'll like know the name you know the name you know and you know stevie williams who caddied for tiger was one of the highest paid athletes in new zealand at the time because they get a percent of winnings oh yeah which is really good so i i was drawn to that part of it it's like wow you know in all of sports and i grew up playing a lot of sports and loving sports and i was never very good at golf so I kind of I don't think anyone yeah it is anyone <laughs> but my dad loves it my father-in-law loves it so that was another reason but um you know this idea that on the field of play you have someone who's they're part coach they're part psychologist they're part cheerleader like all these different personalities uh-huh. literally in the golfer's ear at a moment where there there's millions of dollars on the line and and that was kind of the draw and and what are these people like and you know as we dug into it the golf world Surfing's been so accessible to me. Yeah. Golf's much more difficult. Yeah. A lot of the pros are like, hey, we're working. We don't need a camera crew with us. Yeah, they're like, no thank Yeah, you. but the guys who are retired were so cool. Yeah. And, you know, the Lee Trevinos and the Tom Watsons and yeah. the Fuzzy Zellers and, you know, classic names in the history of golf did interviews for us. Oh, that's awesome. And um, it, it's a neat film. It's, it's very different than anything I've done. But for those who are into golfing or those who surf and like the fact that surfers get a caddy in the WSL, maybe they'll like it. Uh, no, I mean, there's a lot. Look, there's so many surfers now 
surfers and skateboarders who golf now. I don't know if you've seen like the the recent Golf Digest magazine. If you follow golf at all. Yeah, from the guys who do um, or the Golf Digest. Yeah. Okay, I haven't. So like, my friends who are pro skateboarders, there's an article about them, and they're <laughs> kind of talking about how like like. I hate to go on record and say this, but I'm going to say this. So a lot of friends I know that like are sponsored by Nike for skateboarding. For a long time, when Nike was making clubs, they were getting 50% of their like monthly packages as clubs and balls. Wow. So there's like a lot of people out there, and there is like a direct correlation between I think skateboarding, surfing, and golf because it's all about managing. Yeah. Right. It's like you hit the ball. You have to think on the fly how is this going to go. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of them are getting into like more serious stuff. Like my friend Keith Huffnagel, like he has a caddy that works for him. Like he's he's like looking to enter in contests and stuff. And he's like he would have been a good interview for the movie, you know. Well, yeah, if you're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty much done. We're hoping it comes out this summer. We're still waiting on a couple. Are you guys going to release it yourself or distribution? Uh, you know, one of the the key people behind it is in film distribution, so I know okay, it's in good. good hands. But he, I think he does want to roll out as an indie and do film festivals and you know we might even kind of do what we do with surf films and four wallet yeah. around tournaments and and kind of like great idea let the golf community connect yeah. with it because i you know it was all these projects it's it's tightrope like are you going to inside baseball one way or the other you know and i've always tried hard to do something that the core person likes but someone who maybe doesn't know enough about it can like too yeah and it's such a dance because if you go too far one way or the other you quickly alienate yeah. Um, and this has been another one like that. But I really do think the golf community will love it, and, and I hope other people do as well. But Loop, Looper's Movie, loopersmovie.com, uh, and hopefully coming in 2018. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you. This is fun. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was so lucky to get to sit down with Jason and uh, happy that – my friend Jacqueline hosted us uh, in Venice, which was kind of nice. So there's some background noise here and there, so I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, really getting to know him and his story. And, you know, we touched on a bunch of topics. And uh, I think filmmakers in surfing have the ability to shape and mold this culture more than anyone else. No matter what Instagram does, no matter what technology is out there, no matter what anyone wants to say, filmmakers are really the ones who are potentially preserving uh, our culture and the people in it. And so it's great to be with someone uh, who really exemplifies that in their work. And Jason's work definitely does that. Um, I suggest you definitely download the three main movies uh check out some clips uh, that we have linked in our description uh and yeah su support great filmmakers because without them our culture is going to die or it's going to be misrepresented but enough of that um we have a couple of fun tracks coming up um and then we'll be on to the short takes so stick around take a listen and i'll check in with you guys in a little bit peace Got me pissed off, blast off, lift up. Time for me to twist off a vocal fist off into your dome piece, home piece. I heard your chick wants to bone me. I get wild like rugby, respected like Bugsy. Don't even ask me, cause I'm living lovely. Born to succeed, foes bleed, true indeed. The oral combat will rump that you're one of my seeds. When I first 
busted on the scene. Nigga, you knew I had more than a gangster lean. I mean, my lean is gangster, though, so check it. I stick an MC for a spot and sign blood on his white record. Booyaka to your face as I ruin ya, clown ya, dumbfound ya, while I'm screwing the fuck out your girl. If she steps into my world, I'm not the tallest, but that ass I polish. And if the hooker runs her mouth, she gets cut off. But then you'll sweat her, cause like my leather, your butter soft. Your style stinks, kid, you're garbage. And if you keep talking shit, I'ma make you pay homage. Cause the G to the U to the R-U came too far to let you slide through. Rhymes will scar you, and who the fuck are you anyway? I catch more wreck in a minute than if you rhyme for ten days. Throw the cash in the pot. You better dash, nigga, cause I'm blowing up the spot. Up the spot. Escaping the explosion, those who are dozing, I close in, set the thermostat at sub-zero, they're frozen, extreme temperatures from my mic, stuns amateurs, unable to conquer the gang, I am manager, peace to Jay Ruder, Big Shook, and the group home, keeping it real, no playing niggas are grown, I'm way past the kid shit, brothers already did shit, you want some props, yo dog, here's a biscuit, I'm a smooth nigga, and my groove's bigger, move nigga, and we don't care who's with you, got the picture? And you don't wanna hear the burners go pop, gangsta motherfucker. What? Blowing up the spot, up the spot, up the spot. From one format, then switch to the next. Reflex sets the pitch, vocals rip through projects. Crazy shouts are heard all around, cause the gangstar sound carries more weight per pound. I got some brand new Tim, so MC sing new hymns. You better repent, come correct and represent or get stomped. Smack the slap, cap hill back, I got you open. And now you cling to my sack, get off, hands off, stay off, you're way off. You rookie motherfuckers, it's the finals, not the playoffs. I'll break you up into particles, to small pieces. Because your brain is minuscule, you little fool. Come learn the tools of the trade. I made the rules, so go to school and get played. Just when you're thinking that your jam is hot, up steps the niggas who be blowing up the spot. Up the spot. Machine gun rap for all my niggas in the back. Stadium pack, linebacker nigga, flash stack. See through yellow lines, rock a fly jersey in the summertime. Guard, magic marker rap, bleed Benadine. Relax, wrote this. Coming at your crab ass, coping, snatch your ice off. Chilling in the back, throw the lights off. Waves, water blend, round flowing, slow motion. Thick snare, I feel it like a snail in the ocean. What's your wish? Wanna cringle like Chris? Melodic single dart, snap a nigga just like fish. You fucked up, some rich niggas, you done test, yo. Select the wrong department, and niggas pull up your dress, style molest that, canal chain nigga where your vest at, flex and make me wanna bless that, yo, Saddam Hussein niggas, light the torch, we flaming niggas, autograph that, flatten all the main it's niggas, yours. the world in the palm of your hand, it's yours. 23 million of useful land, it's yours. the scene in the black woman, double LP from Wu-Tang Clan, Physique, like Raphael Sadiq, baby love the ganja leaf every day of the week. Super friends wake up, deluxe gourmet beats. The night is right, I might find me a sweet. It's a quarter full moon, I arrive with my swoon. Well groomed, dance hall packed, full room. Lady move, peep my glide, peep my zoom. Keep and strive, smoke the lie, smoke the boom. Fill the fumes, consume toxic tunes. Hellbound, species 40 ounce typhoon. The ultra violent screen machine, move your body touch. The totem pole wobble arc, build this guard. Rush, B 
beams of light. Stop your breathing, it's hunting season. Honey, eyeballing down for no reason. Grab a close, play post, wine and wax floors. Never mind the laws, cause tonight yo, it's yours. Stop the yours. up the ramp, blast my watch through my preamp. The can's best to be vamped, the shit'll get blamped. And full throttle, hot left propels throughout my nozzle. Crack your skull like bottles, leave you stiff as bottles. You fad, you couldn't pull one drag off my blunt. You couldn't punch away out of a wet paper bag with scissors in your hands. Bitch, the RZA, I stand close to walls, like number four, the lizard. They channel through solar panels, blast off like Roman candles, not vandals. Stomp your ass like Wahoo McDaniel, you cock a span, you dog. Get fucked with our catalog, put your lights out and leave your brain inside a fog. It's only natural, actual facts are thrown at you. The impact will blow trees back and crack statues. Million dollar rap crews fold, check the six shit explicit. I crystallize the rhyme so you can sniff it. We live this, fitted hats low, conceal the crooked eye. No surprise, verbal stick up, put them high, rebel eye out. Split second on the draw, blow the door off the shit like bricks of C4. It's yours. The wall in the palm of your hand. It's yours. 23 million of useful land. It's yours. The seed in the black woman. It's yours. Double well beneath from Wu Tang Clan. My beaver, baby blue, Glock in the safe. Seen Dorothy in the garden getting skied away. We hold a bell, son. That's my word. Spot a rapper, run him down, throw him out in the third. Yo, check it. I think like the man behind the register. Evergreen smoking the stakes. Bonnet power made me treasure. With third down, six to go. Flash of stroke lights. Some open risen hit me off. Lovely and I love him with root beer thoughts. Here's a tennis court for your birthday. The baby face of rap politic with side A. Avenging eagle crooks. Rock the W in Spiegel books. And Hydra Bush Kings came through. And stop your whole jokes, spit fire kangos. Watch Tony train a gang of hoes. Painful like hearing the news. Like when your man go, ends blow. Windy at times, watch the room shake. Your girl love to sit out the song. Now watch your water break. It's yours, the world in the palm of your hand. It's yours, 23 it's yours. million of useful land. It's yours, the seed in the black woman. It's yours, Double LP from Wu Tang Clan. Y'all, bitch, my lad, I'm gonna keep my beat the final call. So listen now, if you will sit back and let me. 
beyond from negative rocks, you best believe the revolution's on. Elijah Muhammad said that many of us are seeing the rise. Blue sky high, rises, open up your eyelids and realize you're a good kid by finger using. There's some of the words that I speak, nope, I'm not a reason. Walk with me, leave the weak, not to everyday politician, but I'm slinging thoughts, no cause to be the boss. Just take what's yours, of course, our legacy was stole. My leg comes along from negative rocks and that's how it goes. Get excited, but don't excite me. Don't invite me. I'm splitting. 
effect, knocking motherfuckers like a I'm catching up with niggas peeping, shit I ain't sleeping. I roll deep like a motherfucking Puerto Rican. So when I rate my competition, look sadly. The punk ass niggas, I make it happen like a ride carry. I got shit for niggas that roll bow. Little famous like an orthopedic shoe. I got mad soul. I'ma kill him before I duck him. Because yo, mother made a mother had him and motherfucker. of the corn, we the people, uh, see, niggas through the eye of the needle, Ooh. my lethal injection, destroy evil, hot nickel, uh, private eye, one pistol, aiming at your brain tissue, do or die, set the spine to the fly, goodness, one be tasty like mama apple pie, goodness, Johnny Lace me, on the job like Dick Tracy, get the cure for that ill shit like Ben Casey, MD, symbolic and narcotic, shocking, like a finger in the light socket, too good to be forgotten, in the rotten, apple, I kick dirt on your sand castle. Check the flavor, all natural. Beat your feet, hot dicks, huh? Eviser, before you get the main call. Taste the appetizer. Submerge in the word. Heavy-handed verbal that smack you. Mentally disturb you, attack you. 36 chain, once again, coming at you. Young guns out the body, snatch you, observe. Wise words you can only see through the third. Eye form, we beyond the norm on the bird. Shine on, mental nourishment, you can dine on. Track yelling at me, get your rhyme on, y'all. Hit the biggest hall. Regardless to whom or what, they all moving targets along. Running through your house and your block party. With rap shoddy, and hot rock the body body. St. Bernard's. Couldn't save your entourage, rap lobotomy, leave your mentally scarred, numb, impossibly dumb, deaf and blind, is it? I keep the spine out the battery back, fuck it with mine. Everybody can throw your hands in the... Mind attack mine. I feel on your starting line. D space nine. Design for knuckleheads. You bust guns and no signs. Let's reverse. Nasty half from emperors. Body surf on the verse head first. Beat your feet. Big street. Beat you down with the heat. Beat you spazzed out. Spitting out teeth. Ain't nothing beat. Big boys. Real destroy. Blunt and soul. Pump steroid. 50 man convoy. Spencer wears the big toy. Rumble through the wasteland. Right hands on the silencer. 40 caliber. City slickers. Satin Islander. Synchronized minds. Combine doors that motivate. Don't perpetrate. Pass the blunt. Let it circulate. Street politicians on a suicide mission. Crime vision. Finger itching from a scope view position. Dangerous ground. Trade pound seven. Spin around for my veteran. The cloud comes down. Keep your eyes open. Love potion number nine. Poetry emotion. Knowledge me the seven signs. Scope and conniving. Infiltrators close to mind. Play them nonchalantly. Calmly exposed to nine. Push it, get shoved. What the fuck? Cuz thinking up. Coming in the club with that screw face. Acting up. Is we men the mice? Bad moon rise and we wild for the night. Kill a schizophrenic nigga twice, cuz oh, that's what happened when fronting on the shower burrow. I'll in the stat and we in here, no fear. Assault with intent to kill your whole regiment is red. Starting with your president, ducking my dark gun. Tear apart, son. You don't want it, then don't start none. Blaze one with Jonathan. Part man, part fly, 
handle my B.I. Camouflage like G.I. Fat like Joe. A day in the life. Your money or your life, that's the life. Everybody can't afford ice in the struggle. Trying to eat right enough a day, enough a hustle. Hustle, hustle. Dangerous ground. Trade pound seven spin around for my brethren. The cloud come down. War and peace. I take it to the street. Land sharp on my lawn. Chop the thumbs off a thief. Motherfucker. Let your concert be free and get down to the sounds of your PMD But you should keep quiet while the MC rap But if you tired, then go take a nap Or stay awake and watch the show I take Because right now, I'm about to shake and bang The E-R-I-C-K is my name, I spell Thanks to the clientele, yo, I rock well I'm not an MC who talking all that junk About who can beat who Sound like a punk I just get down and I go for mine Say check one, two, I run down the line To the average MC I'm known as the Terminator, funky beat maker, new Jack Sterney, destroying a ploy when your rhymes are not void, never sweating your girl, YP, cause she's a schizoid, when I'm on the scene I always rock the spot, I grab the steel with the crown on top, in the beginning, I like to let my rhymes flow, and at 12 I press cruise control, sit back and relax, let my rhymes tax, maintain them C's while the double E max, always calm under pressure, no need to act ill, listen when I tell you boy, you got to chill. No computer information on rap Like the BRZ Marquises I make your toes tap I format the rhymes Step by step Make them sound deaf To maintain my rap Prepare to come off In case of a diss Now worry about the thing Cause we can do this I can turn the party out Just by standing still Make a lady scream and shout While the brothers act ill Take total control Of your body and soul Pack a nine in my pants When it's time to roll I'm the P-E-E-M-D-E-E And one thing I hate Is a bite and MC When I enter the party Suckers Always form a line, then they ease the way up and try to bite my lines. I did thousands of shows, dish many faces, and deal with new jack on a one-to-one basis. But every now and then a sucker MC gets courageous, and like an epidemic, it becomes contagious. But never the least, they all RIP. For all those underwear, it means rest in peace, cause MD. Stands for microphone doctor in the capital P, capital M, capital D, E, D's, no doubt the G rocker. Don't like to get ill, but if I have to, I kill. So believe me, boy. You got the shit. Catch every word I'm saying, no, there's no delaying. Don't hesitate to motivate the crowd, I'm not playing. Seeing is believing, you catch my drift. Or try to interact because I'm just too swift. How swift? I'm so swift and that's a natural fact. I'm like Zorro, I'm all E in your back. I don't swing on no ropes or no iron cords. The only weapon is my rapping sword. Intimidate them seeds with the tone of my vocal throne. When I'm dishing on the microphone, cause I'm the funky rhyme maker. MC on the takeoff, the one who likes to max and relax. And when it's time, it's your dig em smack. I keep the hands clapping. 
finger snapping from tapping. When it's time to roll, Uzi patrols packing. The P of D, the mic's my only friend. And through the course of the party, I kill again and again. So if you're thinking about battling, you better come prepared. Come with your shield and your arm again. You got some shit. the bodega border group podcast volume 31 31 of these things i'm not getting bored of it but it's just kind of crazy um anyway <laughs> hope you guys like what we're putting out there i uh, hope you guys enjoy the interview with jason uh let's do the housekeeping uh this is the bodega border crew podcast make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to check out our page bodega as well as our full description on iTunes for track listings and links that we're talking about. And this week, we're talking about a couple of things in our short takes. First short take we have this week is this video that Dan Surf Video put up um, with Honolulu Bloomfield and uh, Rosie Jeffers. Uh, Dan Surf Video is like, honestly, subscribe to that on, uh, on, on uh, YouTube. Because uh, he has some of the most amazing videos of the North Shore and Oahu in general. Um, he, he shoots a lot of stuff in town, but for the most part, the stuff that I'm really attracted to, obviously, is the North Shore stuff. But he just put up this edit that he did with Honolulu Bloomfield and Rosie Jeffers, um, who was on one of our episodes uh, I forget which one, but you can look it up. Anyway, um, and they're surfing sunset um, around this time of year, which is April. I've logged that sunset during uh, like April a couple of years ago, and it honestly was so much fun. And it made me rethink when we go there during the year. Like I'm always thinking that it'd be great to just have these two two trips there, like one in November and one in uh, April. So you get these two slightly different spectrums of the waves out there um but anyway this clip is really long it's really cool to check out uh i think it's you know it's good for people to see who are so used to you know us logging our california waves to see like how you log in these north shore waves like even in this like quote unquote downtime if you will uh of their wave mechanics uh it's still there are still waves of consequence uh, it really shows you how you know it's produced some amazing surfers out there who log like you know cleomonies and, and so forth um but anyway these girls rip it's awesome to check out um and kind of subscribe to his videos in general uh to see more of the work that he does our second short take this week is a link to this new thing that Surfer Magazine is starting called the Severson Files. So John Severson, 
he's the guy who started Surfer Magazine. Uh, and it was an offshoot of the videos that he was doing. It was this little pamphlet he basically put together um, for all the movies, that, for one of the movies that he created. And back then when he was producing surf movies, some uh, creating these surf movies, some of the best ones that are out there um, that on a separate note have been lost because of World War II and like rationing and celluloid decay and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they, you know, wasn't, they obviously didn't have the internet, but you know, they would, they would rent out these halls and they would basically play the, the videos and they would play music on a separate track and stuff. And people would pay to get in and all that kind of thing. And there's so much stuff that he shot. That's unbelievable to see. Um, especially in our, in our logging culture and in our ride everything movement where one, I mean, it's amazing to see these these uh lineups with no one in it you know people surfing them totally glassy but um he's just like i think for me like one of the godfathers of of surfing as far as i'm, I'm concerned there's a book there's a uh, john severson surf book i said everyone who surfs should have that in their house um it's also one of the best gifts to buy to anyone who surfs because from front to back it goes through so much surf history through his eyes and through his hands with both artwork and, and his video, uh, sorry, film work and all that. Anyway, Surfer Magazine starting this thing where they're showing um, random clips that he has, archival footage and stuff. So we link to that. I can't wait to see more of it. I hope it's something they do monthly. Um, as he is the founder of their magazine, um, I think it's kind of appropriate. I would love to see once a month, like when these clips pop up. But we link to the first one, and I definitely think you guys should uh, check it out and definitely check out John's work in general. The next short take is an inertia story that came out about our friend Shane Jones. Uh, Shane produces wetsuits underneath the name Jonesy. Uh, you might see a lot of people wear, uh, wear his wetsuits out in Malibu, um, Doheny, you see it a lot, Sano. Uh, he's known for producing kind of like out there, interesting custom wetsuits. He always does the like the Santa Claus suit. He has the the uh, Freddy Krueger suit. You know, um, he's done Buddy the Elf. Uh, he's done like a lot of cool stuff. Uh, he actually just made a jacket for me that I can't wait to wear. Um, that's uh, inspired by um, by a KRS-One jacket uh, that he wore on uh, a Boogie Down Productions album cover. Anyway, there's a story out there about him, and it's interesting to see you know how he's in the short story that they have just how he started where he is where he's going and stuff like that i also think it's good for people you know again this goes back to the wetsuit thing like one our bodies are all made differently and obviously like our weight goes up and down and all that kind of shit and uh it's good to get someone to make you a custom wetsuit and that's really not something that a lot of people have the opportunity to like you know if you buy a major brand wetsuit to like go in and be like oh measure me you know make me a wetsuit and stuff and i know there's these internet brands that do it you know which but i'll be honest anytime i've seen any of these internet brands that do it these suits look like shit like they're not like well constructed i'm sorry in my opinion i just think they're garbage um but shane jonesy um and his label uh does amazing custom work um and i definitely suggest you if you have a little bit of extra money it's worth it get a suit from him um he'll make it exactly the way you want the colors you want the materials you want he'll give you insight into what he thinks is best um and gonna work better uh he also has a shop down in costa mesa 
uh, that you could go to his showroom so you could get your custom fittings and stuff. Or he's been known to actually show up and like, hey, why don't you, you know, do things like, why don't you meet me at so-and-so spot before we go surfing and I'll measure you and then surf with him and hang out and he's a great guy. So anyway, it's a cool story. I dig it. I think you guys should check it out and I think you should support more brands like him. Our last short take is this uh, video that Zio Baffa put out uh, with uh, Chef Oliver in Santa Barbara. Uh, obviously, it's Jason Baffa's wine company. Uh, they released it on Earth Day, which I think was quite appropriate because their wine is biodynamic, sustainable, organic, you know, all the, the good check boxes that we want and things that we, we buy. Uh, and Chef Oliver talks about, you know, going to Italy and, 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 and learning to cook and developing relationships with the farmer's market and the farmers and using what's seasonal. And believe it or not, it directly relates to how we are as surfers, or at least how I want to see the culture go. And I think most people who listen to this, where we are developing relationships with, you know, our local environments and we're reaping the benefits of our local waves and we are learning these things and it's the same way as like reaping the benefits of your local farms and what's in season near you and it's the same kind of thing interacting with those environments on top of that you know interacting with the people who like produce the stuff so the same way as like we want to develop our relationships with our shapers and who make our boards and the the, the shops and all this kind of stuff cooking has that same aspect there's a there's a lot of parallels there and i think it's something that gets neglected a lot but i think it's probably one of the reasons that like why this kind of surfing or this surfing world is very attractive to me because i do come from that food background a bit and there's tons of parallels this video is a good example of showing that uh, the other thing too is uh, the muscle dish that he's making. I gotta be honest, like as fucking bougie and corny as it sounds, um, I kind of want to make it, and it looks really good uh, as a pasta dish. Uh, it's sort of like it seems like a kind of rustic take on linguine with clam sauce in a way, like just with mussels and tomatoes. Anyway, watch the video, support uh, Ziobat wines if you can. They're amazing wines, and um, yeah, just just treat cooking the same way as you treat uh you know surfing as far as i'm concerned but that's it for this week um thank you for joining us again thank you for all the fans uh for ordering sticker packs i know i've been kind of late on that um i've just been burning through stickers because a lot of people have been in town i've been giving them stuff um the mexi log fest is this starting this weekend um Good luck to everybody in it. Um, I wish we were down there. We're definitely going to make it down there next next year. Um, it sounds like a shitload of fun, to be honest. Like, And it's been a funny week because everybody I call to go surfing, like uh, to, to film for Lucy's, um, I'm like, oh, are you guys around? Can you guys film, you know, Thursday or something like that? And they're all like, oh, I'm getting on a plane to go to, to Mexico. <laughs> getting on a plane to go to Mexico has been the... I think the text reply for the last like week or so <laughs> from everybody I know, which I'm jealous. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of jealous, but I'm also stoked for these guys. Um, I'm stoked for to see a festival like the Mexi Log Fest grow from like this one weekend thing where I think maybe only like 15 people showed up to this huge thing where basically every good logger is going to. Um, the left that they surf looks amazing. I've seen some Instagram uh, stories that people have been posting. Uh, I know people like to call it CJ's wave because it's basically like uh, 
right in front of like wh where he stays um, or has a house um, and I think that's like kind of cool um, but anyway hope you guys have fun I'm really jealous um, wish we were making it down there but next year I'm gonna go down there with the fam probably spend like 10 days enjoy Mexico surf around see how it how it is um, but you know we've been up to our usual thing uh, Lucy's there was another film session this uh, today actually in Malibu we got some stuff I think we're getting closer and closer uh, it's looking like it's pretty much on schedule for another like six weeks I think in another six weeks we should be done I don't know how we're gonna release it we're thinking we might just put it online um, we have a couple things that we're working on so it might release with that um, but anyway I'm really excited Anybody that's been on past episodes that wants to be in it, just contact me and I'll make arrangements to make sure you can meet up with uh, Ryan from Lograph uh, while he's shooting. Um, but yeah, that's about it. You know, that's what we've been up to. Um, there's, uh, there's a sponsor coming on board in the next couple of weeks and working out the details of that. And I'm really excited about that. I wish I could talk about it, um, but I can't talk about it just yet. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, if you listen to a back episode, this their ad is actually playing on it, uh, which is kind of cool. But anyway, I uh, hope you guys are having fun out there. And I'm going to leave you with our parting words, which is there's no need to bust a craze on a wave. You know, go out there, have fun. Don't get crazy. You know, I know it's not as good as it should be, uh, but we all make mistakes in the water. Just try to rectify them and also try to like... You know just just have fun like we're doing the most fun thing that there is out there and we should be enjoying ourselves you know a lot of times we take it way too seriously but with that i'm gonna end on some funk tracks to lay it down a little you know the the roots of hip-hop not just jazz but you know a lot of funk with samples so i hope you guys like this tra these tracks and i'll see you guys out there peace For the human race Everything starts and ends with sex and appeal Feeling good is the bait Satan needs the fish for you and me Comfort is the poison When it's the spirit he wants to kill There's a tidal wave of mysticism Surging to our
hocus pocus that's haunting all mankind. Said it couldn't be what it needs to be, you see. He and only he is free. He who is truly free. Free from the need to be free. Yeah, yeah. There's a title where the
This time. 